When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Davis into Kane, and Kane goes early, and what a pass. That is unbelievably good. Hummin Song goal-scoring position, and it's squared for Kulazewski! And his first goal in a Spurs shirt comes against the champions. Kane's way to run into the area. There he is! It is Harry Kane and the Etihad in front of the away end. What a performance from the number 10. And now he gets a goal for his reward. Kulazewski's onside. Matt Doherty with it. Still Kulazewski. Good ball. Oh, and it's in! It's Harry Kane with the header. Hello and welcome to the last word on Spurs. We do hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Sorry we've waited 24 hours for this. I can tell you what a show we have got in store. If you're listening to the show for the first time and where have you been? Of course, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Audio Boom, we're across a range of different audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And as Richard Beard says on the screen there, loud and clear, proudly, it is here we go time. We are here discussing Tottenham Hotspur winning at Manchester City. And I can tell you that um, I'm sure none of us saw this one coming. As much as Tottenham are the bane of my lives, they give you moments like that, which was simply quite incredible. I've got three great returning guests joining me on the last one on Spurs. First up, you know, normally he'd be telling me to finish up early, the cricket, or we've got some other form of aqua sports that's coming on. But I can tell you tonight, this man won't be delaying us at all. We've got the wonderful Jason McGovern in the house. 17 major trophies, as he says on his screen name there. Jace, how are you? Can you believe it? Not so bad, mate. And we can talk all the way up to Burnley now. No problem. No <laughs> golf, no cricket, no volcanic diving, nothing, mate. It's, it's fantastic. It, is. No, it was, a, was a great evening. Uh, yeah. And just a special shout out for... For all those away fans like like Chrissy Cowling, 
Uh, I know a, a guy, Gary, comes down from Edinburgh for every game. I know Bo who comes over from Ireland every game. And when they come over and spend the expense and the time they do, and, and we know Chris goes to Pacos and Moura and places like that, by God, do they deserve that day yesterday. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happier for them almost than the team because it's uh, yesterday was what it's about. Yeah, was honestly quite incredible. And you can tell by this smile, this hasn't left my... Uh... Hasn't left my mouth since the kickoff has been closed. And it's like I say, been quite an incredible last 24 hours. I don't know how many times I've watched the rerun back just on match of the day, let alone the goals. I tell you what, just been absolutely incredible. Delighted to also have back on the show. She's never too shy to give her opinions. And finally, at some point, there's got to be a positive show for her. So we've been waiting for this. We've got the brilliant Talia Corran back on last one on Spurs. Talia, love to have you back on. Can you believe this? I am very excited to be back and what a game to have to review. I mean, I'm excited. I think me, I'm probably 90% of people watching were hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. I think that's what I put before the game. You know, we are their bogey team, but I thought, you know what, we've lost a few in a row. We're going to get absolutely done. And I think watching that, there were just glimpses of just pure happiness. I'm just so yeah. happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy and I think we've got a lot to cover. And I'm Absolutely. Happiness at the Etihad. Who would have thought it? You know, who would have thought it, bearing in mind? I know obviously many say, you know, at the moment that City, um, for them, Spurs are their bogey team. But I think anyone in their wildest dreams, having watched the last 180 plus minutes of Spurs, may not have seen that coming. So um, what an unbelievable result. And also pleased to finally get this man back on last word on Spurs. He was due to come on um, during the mid-start of the season. But unfortunately, um, I think the snow hit us, Rob, for Burnley. But I tell you what, we've, uh, what a game to come on for. We've got the brilliant Tottenham Hotspur reporter for Football London, Rob Guesty, joining us. Rob, how are you? Lovely to have you here. Very well, thank you. Uh, long time since I've been on. I think the last time I was on, it was a nil-nil draw at Watford. Gedson Fernandez's debut. But uh, yeah, I mean, what a game to pick tonight to come on. Plenty to discuss. And uh, yeah, hopefully Spurs can just kick on from here because what a night at the Etihad. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you because um, I, I must say Spurs, to go and win that City in that style, you know, they, they were absolutely lethal on the attack. But also I just thought tactically wise, we were so disciplined and I don't think anybody could come away from that game Spurs fans or any other opposition fans and say that we didn't thoroughly deserve that. It was such a wonderful performance from Tottenham. What did you make of it? It was a thoroughly deserved win, to be honest. Spurs were brilliant from the very first minute and saying to a few people in the press box before the game that I did fancy Spurs to get something from the game. It was really a bit of a, a free hit. I think everyone was expecting City to win, given they'd won 14 of the last 15 in the Premier League. I think 19 from 21 in all competitions. Spurs came into the game on the back of three successive Premier League defeats. So it was really one of these where nothing to lose. And given that Antonio Conte finally had a full week on the training pitch with his team. I thought, yeah, they'd get something from the game. And to be honest, I didn't expect it to go that well. They were absolutely outstanding uh, from the very first minute. Every single player on there last night played the part. Harry Kane, Dejan Kulusevski, Son Heung-min, Christian Romero, everyone. I thought they were just so, so good. And you just want this performance just to carry on now. Yeah, no, it was honestly remarkable. And uh, Jay's coming around to you. I saw you like this one as well. That uh, City, they just can't handle it in North London, can they? You know, Spurs taking six points off them. 
and Arsenal pressing them really hard for the first half of one <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I think it was just um, for me, you know, after a difficult week for the club with with all the with all the coverage of of Conte's interviews and and people saying, you know, it's a weaker squad now. I think what you saw was was for me why the squad is stronger despite being numerically down because he had two players that he could start the game with rather than four that he couldn't. And he had two players, more importantly, that could play 90 minutes rather than having to be subbed off after 65. And that's made a huge difference. And the quality that Benzenkur had at times and the, and the ball over the top for the for the last goal rather than a safe sideways pass. And then Kulisevsky, who people have already written off for us as too slow to be in, really showed that, that coolness and composure he, throughout the game with his goal, with the cross for the disallowed goal, with the with his instant bit of crossing for the winning goal. And those two players, I thought Hoiberg coming back into the team had a had a massive game for us as well, despite all the crap that he's had to put up with Eric Dyer returning. You know, there was a there was a lot of um, criticised players that, that stood up last night, but the performance of, the, of that man up front was, was just immense, wasn't it? But, yeah. you know, you can't go to Manchester City and have any passengers on your team. That's the thing. But I, I, I thought second half, particularly the, the longer the game went, what was nice to see was that we weren't just camped in our box. So that having gone 2-1 up, we, we almost went 3-1 up. We took confidence from that, scored a disallowed goal, which which could have gone either way. Still going forward at the end. And, and to score in, you know, when, the, when you get to 2-2, particularly away to a game like that, in the manner that you've gone to 2-2 with a last-minute penalty, to still have that bit of belief to get in there half, knock the ball around, bit of composure, and we score a really, really good goal that last goal. 14, 15 passes, lots of players involved, lots of good movement. And to do that in Man City, when you've when the, the natural thing, and we've said it before, haven't we, our heads go down at crucial times, that was was the polar opposite. And I just I think why can't we do this at Chelsea? Why can't we show this this mentality at Chelsea that we actually show at Manchester City? I mean there's there's a couple of games in recent where we've been 2 0 down at Manchester City and come back for two twos and things. So why can we do it there, but not against Chelsea? It, it's such a shame we can't do it there. But no, full credit to every single person that took part in that last night. Yeah, I think like you said there, Jace, you know, when you go to City, you have to be in a situation where every player needs to go there and give Absolutely. a nine out of ten performance. And I've got to say, you know, as a whole group of players, that's exactly what we did. And Conte said during the week, we, we had to be perfect um, tactically, you know, it's in these pre-match press conferences. And to be fair, you know, barring the Lloris, um, obviously miss save that we will come on to. I think everybody had like a really, really good game. You need to have that, of course, in the manner of that City team, the way they're playing at the moment, which is quite incredible. Talia, to come round to you, I mean, what a performance from Harry Kane. Absolutely unreal. Probably, I'd say, one of his best ever in a Spurs shirt, but also just how huge for the top four race. Because you look at this weekend, you know, with the likes of, of course, United winning today. Um, of course, we've seen Arsenal winning as well over the weekend. Um, Wolves also winning. Um, you feel that is a big, big win for Tottenham. That gives them still an opportunity somehow to still be in this race for the top four. But also Romero, an absolute rock at the back. We'll come on to that last-ditch amazing tackle. Well, last-ditch slide to keep Spurs um, alive in this game and to win the game. But um, overall, penalty aside, what an unbelievable performance from Tottenham. I just think there's no in-between with us, is there? It's literally just all or nothing in every way. And I think last night we were incredible. And like Conte said, we got it 
bang on and everyone pretty much was on their best form and that's what we needed to beat the champions to do it twice in one season under two different managers as well I think is incredible and you know Kane was just next level last night I think he was just ridiculous wasn't he it was one of the best individual performances anyone has kind of ever seen as like a number 10 and a number nine I think they said you know as an individual centre forward it's up there with one of the best people have ever seen in the Premier League which I think is outstanding and he, he was just everywhere and you know some of those balls were absolutely insane but look like you said everyone played their part for the most part I think Romero again also amazing I think Dyer made the biggest difference being at the back I'm sure we'll cover it but I, you know I, I fully mean it when I tweeted yesterday being like if Dyer wasn't there and we had Sanchez I don't think we'd have won that game and, and that says a lot and that's not you know all credit to Dyer but I think he makes such a big difference at the back and it was great but I think you know we were just very disciplined full city out wide broke up the play it was just a really bloody good win but like you said we had to do it um, to keep up with the rest of the teams around us. Otherwise, we're falling behind. You know, it wasn't so long ago where we were like three games in hand on Arsenal. We'll go second if we win. And we're, what, eighth now? So, you know, we needed to keep that up. Otherwise, you know, there's no point of doing it, kind of, I guess. But I think that it's what we needed. We've got to make Burnley count as well. It's a huge confidence boost. But like we said, it's all or nothing. And, you know, there's no point of being able to be up for it, fight against City, play incredibly well and then concede a header to Weghorst, whatever his name is, in a few days' time. <laughs> you know, there are levels and I think we definitely need consistency. And I know Kane spoke about that in his interview as well. And I think that is our biggest problem. We can turn it on, but it's yep. not consistent. And that is what, as a team, we need to be able to do. But I'm sure yep. we'll cover the ins and outs. Well, this is it, isn't it? You know, you look at that performance last night and you just think, you know, why, why? can't we do that every game? You know, what? why can't we be like that every game? Because if we were, then, I mean, Spurs would, who knows where Spurs would be? I mean, that's a completely different show, to be honest. Yeah, which we won't get into tonight for the sake of Jason, who uh, I know will tell us at some point, two and a half hours down the line, that there's the cricket to come. But uh, all joking aside, Jason will not be doing this for the cricket tonight. Rob to cut back round to you. Spurs at stoppage time winners, you know, in three of their last four. Premier League away games and the stoppage time equalising one of those games as well and quite unbelievably City when you look at the stats um, 40% of their points have dropped this season have come against Spurs um, just remarkable what is it with Spurs and City and why Spurs seem to always you know nine times out of ten seem to get an upper hand against them well I think obviously yesterday there was just a plan in place and that all came from Conte having that full week on the training pitch and he said ahead of the game that Obviously, they were working on a plan. And then he said yesterday in his post-match press conference that it was like the perfect performance. And even like Kane alluded to it in terms of that was part of the plan, especially with like the first goal with the ball, you know, uh, through the middle of them to release Son. Uh, some teams, you just have a bogey team. And for whatever reason, City just cannot get the better of Spurs. I mean, they've lost all four games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so far, not even scored a goal there uh, and I don't I don't know what it is I think like you said you just you can't understand why they just don't play like this every week because they've obviously got got it in them and they proved that last night and then in terms of you know the late late goals they've been getting in the away games that just shows the goal right until the end I think even conceding in like the 93rd minute 94 when Maris got you still got a few minutes left 
one team's always going to have at least one more chance and you've just got to take it. And there was that bit of quality there uh, from Kulisevsky to put it in. I actually thought he was going to slip in Matt Doherty, who was making the run, but no, uh, did well to hold on to it and put in a brilliant cross. But to be honest, I just can't understand why City can't get the better of Spurs. Uh, but who's complaining, to be honest? Yeah. I think for Talia's sake, probably a good thing it's been Matt Doherty. Uh, we'll... <laughs> Let's not do that. I already had someone be like, today, um, I bet you're not going to be celebrating because of Matt Doherty. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, levels here. No levels. Matt today, none. Absolute levels, honestly. Uh, Jason's come over to you. I mean, there's just something about that stadium, Jason, that Etty had, that just seems to bring crazy and usually late drama with Spurs. When you think about, you know, the Crouch goal, uh, obviously, of course, Lorente's hit, Mora's um, header. And then, again, last night, just what is it about that stadium, Jace, that seems to bring sometimes the best out in Tottenham? If you think, it's, you're right, we just get things... I mean, not every time we go there, but as an away stadium, I mean, I can remember early 2000s, we used to go up there and win... Pretty much every time we went up there, I can remember a great Freddie yeah. Canuti goal, Tom Huddleston with that fantastic yeah. on the yeah. volley. I mean, we've we've probably since they've been at the Etihad, I, I wouldn't mind that we've probably won there more than more than most teams. If you if you look at the whole time, including before Pep, uh, there was that astonishing game. Do you remember, we actually lost three two there when under Redknapp when Bow scored a, a world in the top yeah, corner. Yeah. So yeah. you know, there's been some fantastic games there, and of course, we even won there when we lost. In the Champions League, so that that just gives you the the right to feeling that this stadium brings us brings us good things. But it was just you know, like I say, fair credit to to every single person because the shift you have to put in physically and mentally. I thought Emerson Royal got caught a few times. Cess didn't look great, but but it's 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 so demanding that fixture really is when you play them at Liverpool at the the way they play it and. The, the physical and mental effort you've got to do to stick to your jobs. You probably know in the course of the game, you're going to get beaten 1v1 a few times. You know somebody's going to find a little pocket of space, but it's it's not to drop the head. It's to minimise those things. And great credit to Conte for drilling that. I think the fact that he said they worked on the, the Son goal and you score it after four minutes, that, that gives you a, a great belief that you can get something. So, you know, you can't criticise anyone yesterday. Just... Fair play to every single person. Mm. And even even Doherty at Port Hotel would say, you know, he came on, did his job for the few minutes he was yeah, on the yeah. pitch for. And, and yeah. that's the main <laughs> thing. And, and that's all you can... And, and even Sanchez comes on. I think he won one header, which in the two or three minutes he's on for, was still an important header to win. So yeah. fair play to everyone yesterday. Yeah, team performance. And Nathan on the screen says, what a beautiful win. Ricky's right. The Etihad does bring luck. The Champions League in 2019 and now this result. Hopefully Harry continues his goal-scoring run. Amen to that. Um, Tal, I thought it was a hilarious stat, which I read yesterday. I still think this is mad. With When you think about Guardiola and just the level of this manager, uh, is the only manager to lose to Tottenham under each Maurizio Pochettino, Jose Mourinho, Nuno Espirito Santo, and Antonio Conte? I mean, what is it? What is it with, with Tottenham and Man City and Pep Guardiola? I think it's just, it's a mental block. You just can't do it. Because it's obviously not the tactics, because like he's been through four managers. It must just be like, Spurs, 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 you're just, we taunt him in his dreams. And I think, you know, he must go to bed at night and just think about the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Harry Kane. It's clearly Kane. He said yesterday, didn't he? It's just like, I, I read, I don't know how true this is, probably isn't. Yeah. I like that they all just sat there and like analysed how Kane just ripped them apart. Mm. Uh, yeah, that came like, out today. Yeah, yeah. There was an, a, apparently an inquest, apparently, into yeah, how that, Kane managed to run that game. Yeah. 
Kane was playing over a point to prove, wasn't he? You know, you just felt that, you know, in the summer, what was being banded around was City were offering 75 million up front. It almost felt Kane yeah. was insulted by the fact that City didn't push for him harder and was almost going to say, like, you know, I'll show you what I'm worth. And that performance yesterday was is, really trying to prove a point. Yeah, there is an element of that, of course. I think, you know, anyone wants to be like, hi, to someone that wants to buy them or an employee that's kind of said no to you. You're almost like, this is what you're missing and what better stage to do it on at the Etihad full of fans against us. You know, that's his prime. But I think, you know, he is a player that is bigger than himself as well. There was obviously that selfish element where he did want to be his best. But I think, you know, he's been good when others have been rubbish. And, you know, we know that that doesn't work for us and he isn't able to put some of those balls away. And I think everyone played a part in him being able to show off in the way that mm. he did. And yeah. I think it really was a collective performance. I know we're often on here and we say, you know, it was good from this guy, good from this guy. But together, there's just no fluidity. There's no, you know, actual kind of ideas. It's very much like a hit and hope a lot of the time. And that's where we go wrong. But I think yesterday was the opposite. I didn't, although it was stressful. And a lot of the times when they were pinging the balls everywhere, I was like, oh, this is, you know, not great. We didn't look like we didn't know what we were doing ever. I think there was always mm. that composure. Controlled, wasn't it? Organised. Everyone knew their jobs. I think as well. I was going to say. I think as well that when you when you look back at the game now, without all the emotion and that that tension in it, Hugo didn't actually have a lot to do. No, in a second, surprising thing. You know, one amazing save Mm. that that you know makes up for the thing. But but actually, in general time, other than that save and the goal, we didn't actually have a lot to do. Which is, you know, they had twenty odd shots at goal, but a lot from distance and things like that. You know what's funny, though, Tal, to come back around to you, I think Spurs had more shots than City in that game, which, again, I think, you know, points to the fact of just how dominant Spurs were when they did have the ball. We we had more shots on target. I don't think we had more shots because I was like, we're really clinical in that. They had tons more shots than us, but we had five shots on target and I think they had four. You know, we scored three of those and they scored two and one was a pen. So... You know, I think it is very much numbers didn't tell the the true story because dominance wise, they had what, like 90% possession at one point, we had 10 and that was the game that it was. But I think, look, we rode the wave and I think, like you yeah. said, everyone knew their jobs. It, yep. it As much as it was nervous, but that's us being emotional and in the mm. moment, like, oh my God, we're mm. winning to City in the 70th minute. Can we control it? Can we keep it? That's very like, you know, all the emotions that come with that. But I think, that everyone did what they could do. And I think yeah. it, it was a great watch all round. And I think everyone was just so happy. <laughs> yeah, it was. was it was. So it was so nice to so happy. It really, really was. Rob, let's yeah. come back around to you. I mean, Guardiola after the game, they're a fantastic team, a fantastic manager. And we knew after three defeats, it would be difficult. And I know he made that point also in the pre-match press conference where he was saying, look, despite Spurs coming into this game on the back of, you know, um, three defeats, that, you know, he still felt, that Spurs were going to pose a threat. And obviously, Conte had that horrible record hanging over him. Um, you know, I think it would be four defeats for the... I mean, obviously, I think for the, one of the first times in his career, dating years back. And also, I think it's 2004 for Tottenham. So, um, you know, you look at the game itself and the way Spurs played and Conte talked about following the plan. How much does he deserve credit, Rob, for the way he set up the team tactically? 100% deserves so much credit because, like you were saying earlier, he was probably a free hit really for Spurs because everyone's expecting City to win and Spurs to lose. Uh, so that full week on the training pitch helped massively because that's one thing 
Spurs haven't had a lot of this season because there's just so much midweek fixtures. Obviously, had the Europe Conference League in the first part of the season, had Carabao Cup, had Premier League games recently. So there's not been a lot of time. And when they have been on the training pitch, you're looking at, you know, uh, recovery days, uh, video meetings, etc. So you've got to give uh, Conte so much credit. And I was speaking to Eric Dyer after the game, and he was saying basically what their plan was uh, from like goal kicks or whatever was just playing out from the back. And I think when you're doing that, it does attract City to the ball and City, given the attacking talents they've got, everyone seems to push up anyway, even the defenders. So that always leaves space in behind. That's something Spurs could, you know, uh, counter time and time again. The amount of times you saw Kane just drop slightly deeper, get on the ball, play it over the top, around the sides, and then Kulusevski and Son were around there and uh, attacking. Uh, so, yeah, you've got to give Conte so much credit for it. I think the game reminded me of uh, when Chelsea won there in his first season, when he was manager, I think they won 3-1, and that was part of their yeah, 13 successive Premier League wins. And then that was a game where everyone really started to stand up and take notice of this team he was building. And... Yeah, he's got such a good plan in place yesterday. Mm. Hopefully, probably one in place for Burnley and then so on and so forth between now and the rest of the season. Fingers crossed. Jay, to come back over to you, you know, um, I know you probably hate the stats about XG. Uh, Spurs, you know, 1.62 was the second highest of any team against City in the Premier League this season. And again, it kind of points to the fact of just, you know, Conte's attacking patterns, just how on point they were. And, you know, we talk about following a plan. I think, like you touched upon there, it's been a bit of a weird week for Tottenham. Obviously, the, co- the comments coming out from Conte, which, you know, it turns out that seemed to mistranslated from, um, you know, the, well, Sky Italia, essentially. I think it gave us a little bit of cause for concern. Do you think, Jace, when you look at that performance, that, that will give him hope that if, and it is a big if this, and I appreciate guys watching this and listening to this, is obviously a big if I'm going to say here, that if he is back in the summer with the players that he wants, then he does feel this Spurs team have got a genuine opportunity to try and compete where he wants to be as a manager. Uh, I don't want to even answer that in, a, in many ways because I'm, I'm a big one for thinking we've, we've had a week where we're talking about can we back him in the summer, what can we do? There's 15 games until the summer. You know, part of that backing is where we'll be. Will we be a Champions League club? Will we be a Europa club? Will we be a Checker Trade club? Or will we be a nothing? So until we get those those things answered, we don't know what the level of backing is. I, I don't know a club like Tottenham that can go and spend 300 million in the summer and attract top class players unless they're in the Champions League. So, you know, it's going to be very hard to back him. And, and even if we are in the Champions League, you know, it's going to be hard to bring in 10, 11 top quality players to back him. So let's let's get these 15 games done first and, and let's not get too high when we win. Let's not get too low when we lose. Uh, I mean, last week I heard people saying, well, if you can't beat Southampton at home and you can't beat Wolves at home, you can't get top four. Manchester United are fourth, having lost at home to Southampton and at home to Wolves. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you've got to look at it and don't get too high and don't get too low and just keep level and think the only thing we should be focused on at the moment is win the next game. Yeah, and so it's Burnley is next. We don't don't look at it and think how many points can we get in the next six games because suspensions come and injuries come and the form of opposition changes. Just try and win the next game and try and do that fifteen times, and then we'll know where we are in the summer. And then let's start to worry about the summer. 
But if you mm. worry about it too early and lose focus on the here and now, you'd be yep. in big trouble. So just mm. concentrate on Burnley and that should be the only discussion. And that's the thing to take from that from that game. Because as I said earlier, we had a week where he was told, where we kept hearing he wasn't backed. And yet he started two players that came in from that transfer window. And there's no way Ndombele or Celso start that game. And, and as I said, there's no way either of them last beyond 65 minutes. So that squad is definitely stronger today than it was on January the 1st. I would wonder, Tal, coming over to you, and just to try and frame this in, the, in a way I would like to. I mean, obviously, he, he came out and said after the game, and then many people probably found this quite surprising, that um, this is for him. And again, I want to just get this, obviously, quote right what he said here. He, still, he thinks that, obviously, as a squad of players, he's one of the best that he's worked with. And I think, you know, if you look at the last few weeks, we'd all be questioning that, thinking, are you, are you sure, Antonio? Are you sure it's going to get carried away in the moment? But I think when you hear comments like that, then you hope that it gives you confidence that he also believes that this job will be beyond the summer. Because I know many there's concerns out there that maybe feel when we get to the summer, whatever we'll be in, as Jace touches upon there, we know what side we're going to be, a Euro, you know, a Europa Conference League side, a Champions League side, um, you know, Again, Europa League side. We don't know that question right now, but I really hope that that win yesterday gives him the confidence to think, do you know what? I've got a group of players that have really bought into me and with just the right additions, whatever level that we're in, he's got a team that can challenge it. 100%. I mean, I, I generally believe that he, I don't know what the right word is, but I think he probably thought the challenge wasn't going to be as challenging as it has proven to be. But on the opposite side of that, he knew the group of players that were there. He knew what he had to be dealing with. And, you know, it, it's not the be-all and end-all. Like, he knew that that was the case. He knew that it wasn't a ready-made team ready to fight for the title. And they are the group of players that he was aware that he was going to inherit, for better or for worse. That's what he had to deal with. OK, maybe we didn't do the business that he would have liked in January. But... Again, if, you know, all of those things are true, you knew we weren't going to go out and buy 10 players in January. So that was never going to be the case. And I think talent is another question, but I would assume, and I mean, how many managers have I been here on in that these players needed a big manager to get hyped up over? Nuno wasn't that person. They weren't receptive to things like that, especially the, the better players within the squad. Conte is one of the best managers in the world. If you can't get hyped up for Conte, you shouldn't be a footballer. That has generally been the message. And I would assume and hope that this group of players are like sponges because I think, you know, of course we don't know them personally, but from what we see, they all seem like lovely people, right? On and off the field, yeah. like they're a yeah. good group of boys. We know that there's friendships, like we know they're quite tight or used to be in bits and pieces. The new people seem to fit in. They, you know, they get together outside of football. Like they generally are friends in there. And that is, you know, helps create a tight knit group. And I think Conte obviously wants that relationship. He's here to build that. And I think he obviously likes that. And, you know, he wouldn't come out and say they're some of the best group of players he's ever worked with for him I think he he can't slate people on their talent you know they are at our club and that's not on him he hasn't recruited these people that's who he's had to work with and all he can ask is for these players to give their all and you know adhere to his philosophy and his tactics and carry out what he wants them to do and I think yesterday was obviously an example of that happening and that you know some players are good enough to be here and he won't want to get rid of them and others aren't but ultimately 
They are listening to him. They are executing what he wants. It's not consistently. That's a different thing. But they obviously are receptive of what he wants. So I think it is a, is a big thing to say that they're a great group of players because, you know, we've seen people like in United's dressing room, there is toxicity. It's not good. I know we've had a few of them in the past. And I think especially getting rid of Tangi and Delhi and the Oriers and, you know, the people that we thought were the, the troublemakers, what's left actually is a group of players that wants to be there, wants to learn. Yeah. And no, and I, and I think that's great. You know, we can't change, like Jason said, we can't look to the summer. We don't know how yeah. many people we're going to recruit. We don't know who's going to go, who we're going to sign. That's, you know, a cloud of question marks. We don't know, yeah. but this is who he's got to do 15 yeah. games. And they do it on the pitch, not him. He can teach them all his philosophies, all his tactics and say, look, go out there, give it your all, execute this. But they're the ones that can do it. And yesterday proved that they can if they want to. And I hope that that gives it, you know, an injection and, you know, the two new guys, I'm sure, will come on to them. But they're making a difference. And let's hope it, it's a sign of things to come that, you know, we're going to get more consistent. Fingers crossed. Uh, got the other thing I was going to say about January, and I've, I've said it on Twitter, I think, you know, window one for me was getting rid of the unwilling two. And window two is getting rid of the unable two. But there's exactly. a big difference between the unwillings and the unables. You know, yeah. the unables will fight like a Hoiberg, like a Winks. They'll at least fight for you. And they're, yes, they've got technical deficiencies. But those that went, maybe Brian Gill slightly different because it's a bit too early. But they were ones that just aren't willing to. And that's a big difference between unable to. So, you know, yeah. as I said, we had a better window yeah. than people give us credit for. And we had a better window than any of those four or five clubs in and around us because they all did yep. nothing. They yep. all did absolutely nothing. And we actually got rid of some we didn't want and brought yep. in two that could start away to Manchester City and play 90 minutes. Yeah, no, spot on. A uh, couple of comments on the screen here. Uh, Raj says Conte knew what he was, what he, what he has at Spurs. What he perhaps didn't legislate for was this is a tougher league since he was last here. So there's a point there from Raj. Also, Sean Butler says a uh, question for the panel: Is Winks forever relegated to a sub unless we have injuries or there is a time and place for him in the starting eleven on a tactical basis? Sean, we're going to come on to Burnley towards the end of the show, so we will um, discuss that. Uh, to Faz Radfar, Faz, um, I think to have missed your comments. If you want to send that back through to us, we'll by all means share that and we'll put that on the screen for you so um Robert I wanted to ask you is a question that I came up with the guys here about Conte and what he said um again I still can't believe it so I will read this out where he says um honestly this is one of the best group of players I've worked with in my career that's a massive statement to say you know when you look at where he's been the likes of Chelsea into Milan um you do generally feel that there's a squad there that is together yes we haven't seen it recently in terms of results but you know big big words from Conte there do you think again he's just trying to maybe calm the media storm that we've seen over the past week and really show the players that, you know, he, he generally feels some of them are good enough to be the level that Conte's at. Well, he's obviously seen something in the squad within what the first three months has been at the club to make a comment like that. And is quite a telling comment as well, because like you said, he's been at Juventus with an exceptional squad into Milan, Chelsea. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I don't think you have to have the most talented squad, as long as you've got a squad who are willing to get the points on the board. So, I mean, look when Leicester City won the league in 2015-16. You compare that squad to a number of different ones, nowhere near the level of them. But they had hard workers there and they worked as a team. And I think that's key. And they even Conte said and Chelsea won the league in 2016-17. 
Uh, Chelsea weren't even the best team that season. And I think it basically meant Tottenham were the best team because they had such a good team. And, you know, if he can... What what he also said in his post-match press conference mm. was he wants to raise all the players' levels between now and the end of the season. Now, if he can do that and raise the team's level, then there's a good base there to start from next season when hopefully be able to bring in uh, players in that. But there's certainly a good group there and there's a lot he can build on, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, to Faz on the screen there puts the question, did this match highlight the importance of Eric Dyer? Um, listen, we're going to come on to Dyer shortly in terms of the players, but I think all of us can say, you know, Eric Dyer was phenomenal. And I, again, I think, you know, having him back in that, you know, back three, back five, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, we look so much more solid. And him and Romero together, you know, a couple of warriors in there. And again, it's key for Spurs that if we can keep, you know, those, that defensive pairing, the centre-backs there fit along with Ben Davis, then um, who knows what Spurs can ultimately go on to try and do this season. And I'd say, James there, Talia is giving you a wave, as you've requested there. Um, right, OK. Um, we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners on audio. But before we do, uh, we've had a whole host of uh, listener statements in from you. I think over uh, 50, 60 of them came in. So we've rattled them down. We just want to read these out actually before we go for the first break. Uh, J.L. Neal says, only Spurs can lose at home to Saints and Wolves and win at the Etihad. Unbelievable. Sam Lewis says, this is why we love football. My love-hate relationship with Tottenham continues. What a brilliant performance defensively. Inner Strickner says, I have no question since I'm satisfied with this win that no one expected. I'll ask you all to remind yourselves when you talk about Kulu, call him Decky, please. <laughs> not sure of the spelling, but Kulu is not preferred. So proud of our boys, Coys. Um, Wayne Sheffield GM says, don't underestimate how good our midfield was as well. Work their absolute socks off the whole game. Kane remembered the standouts, but the whole team were up for it. Amazing fight. Habib Hayat says, that was the complete team performance. I'm so happy with how it went and do not have to question anything. Just saying, well done to the lads. Sperano says, this result and performance shows the players are 100% behind Antonio Conte and have faith in his ideas, carrying those instructions out to absolute perfection. Big shout out to the players who some have suffered, as Jason touched upon recently, some negativity recently. The likes of Hoybier, Sessignon, Emerson, Kulisevsky, of who all were Warriors. Isn't that spot on? Isn't that absolutely spot on? Um, so like I say, we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners on audio. Antonio, congratulations. You must have gone through so many emotions today. What, what a win. What are your thoughts after that? Uh, first of all, congratulations to my players. And uh, because uh, we prepared the game very well. And uh, uh, after three defeats, it wasn't uh, easy, especially when you play against Manchester City, that I consider in this moment the best team in the world. To come here away and to score three goals, maybe four, and uh, uh, it means that uh, your performance was very good. I think that uh, this type of performance uh, has to give us the confidence, um, the confidence that sometimes and uh, uh, could be better. Instead, sometimes, uh, uh, yeah, for 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 uh, not a good result, uh, we can lose. Instead, uh, um, tonight uh, we showed uh, that uh, we are working very well. That we are creating a, a stable team, because uh, when you have this type of performance after uh, three defeats, 
I guess it, it means that you are starting to be stable. And uh, in my, my opinion, in my experience, to give good result, uh, you have to become stable, not up and down. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased especially for, for the players because uh, the players uh, um, show the great, uh, great commitment and um, great belief. And uh, uh, it was uh, incredible, no, that uh, uh, after the penalty and uh, a draw to two. You can tell, okay, I'm happy because two-two is good, uh, good result uh, against Manchester City. Instead, uh, we wanted to win. I think uh, the uh, what we have to to bring with us uh, this desire in every moment of the game that we wanted to to get three points. And uh, uh, I was pleased to see this uh, of my players. Yes, and uh, a good step for us, but. As you know very well, in three days we have to play against Barley, and uh, they are in a good moment. And uh, but I want to see the same spirit, the same desire, the same uh, will to fight. When we spoke uh, on Friday, you said we have to be tactically perfect. You said I remember the words. You said focus, concentration. But you also said we have to be brave when we get the ball. And I think that's the difference, isn't it? Because we defended so well, but when we got the ball, we looked dangerous, didn't we? Yeah, but uh, I think we prepared the game very, very well. And uh, uh, because, uh, yeah, defensively, uh, we, we, we knew, no? We knew that uh, when we play against uh, Manchester City, you had to consider the possession ball for 70 uh, per- percentage, no? And... Uh, but uh, I always said to my players that uh, when uh, we have to be very good tactically, at the same time uh, when uh, we are defending, uh, in our mind has to be in every moment the, uh, that there is the possibility to hurt them. And also with the, when we were in possession, uh, we created a situation that we tried also during the training session uh, to hurt them. And uh, especially the first goal was... Uh, uh, was outstanding and uh, yeah, also for me now because when you see that during the training session you try, try and then happen during the game and uh, uh, you are happy, you are happy. But I repeat, I'm happy for the players because uh, uh, they deserve the, all this. There's so much I can talk to you about. Let me just ask you a couple of things. First of all, Hugo Lloris, tonight he makes his 400th appearance for Spurs, he's made one of the best saves I can remember seeing ever tonight, down that bottom end. Yeah. He's your captain, 400 games, what do you think, Hugo? Yeah, but Hugo, and uh, first of all, a great compliment for him, because 400 appearances, uh, it means that uh, uh, you are, uh, uh, um, yeah, you you reached a great achievement, you know, and for uh, for this player, for for Tottenham, uh, he's our captain, and is uh, uh, an important. He's uh, not only an important player, but also an important person into the dressing room, and uh, uh, he loves Tottenham, and we are happy that he stays with us, and he's uh, our goalkeeper. Dyer and Romero back together. We defended so yeah. well, didn't we? That's it. That's important for the team, isn't it? Yeah, it was important. Don't forget also Davis. Yeah, I think. Uh, 
everyone. It's the, difficult the, yeah, to pick but, people yes, out. Yes, you know? the three central defenders, but also Sessegnon played yeah. a fantastic game, and Emerson, the two midfielders, was uh, incredible for the effort. And uh, and then uh, don't Kulu forget well. Sony, Sony and Kuluseski that uh, uh, they hearted uh, Manchester City. Kane apart because Kane. <laughs> Uh, he, I mean, he Harry, played, wow. He, Harry eh? played an outstanding game, but uh, I repeat, today, tonight, it's very difficult to 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 find only one player, no? Mm. And, uh, That's what you want every week, isn't it? Uh, no, but uh, we, I repeat, um, we, we have to continue in this way and now to, to enjoy this good result, but uh, from tomorrow we have to think uh, against Barley, because Barley it would be a, a tough game and they won 3-0 away yeah. against Brighton. Brighton is a really good team. Uh, United didn't win against Barley. Uh, but we have to, to show the same desire, the same will, the same uh, commitment that we showed tonight. Well done tonight. You've made a lot of people very proud. Yeah, they, we are very proud and, uh, and uh, we have to continue this way together. And I want to thank our fans again. Because they were brilliant, right? They are, they are incredible, and uh, to give them uh, this satisfaction, I think uh, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's the only way to repay the effort no, they show to me and uh, to the players. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, for a watching audience on YouTube, there's nearly 1,100 of you watching us live, so thank you ever so much for all of your incredible support. Uh, now, we must say, in case you weren't aware, that we are delighted on the last word on Spurs to be sponsored by Nord VPN. So Nord are, of course, a secure, fast and incredibly easy to use VPN. We have 5,200 servers across 59 countries around the world. NordVPN automatically selects the best server based on locations, loads of your specific needs. There is, of course, as we know... Um, that odd ruling in the UK, which denies many of us being able to watch the 3pm games. I've, uh, I've got to say for me personally that I've really, really enjoyed using the product as with regards to Nord, um, you can potentially, like I say, have the option of going to the likes of uh, Peacock along with the Premier League on NBC Sports that allows you to watch some of those 3pm or the majority of those 3pm kickoffs by just changing your location settings. Um, I've also found using this product, which I really like, is that, again, depending on the location you change, you can get the likes of US Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, uh, HBO Max and Amazon Prime too. So um, as we say on the screen there, um, you can grab NordVPN exclusive deal by going to, of course, um, www.nordvpn.com and use the code LWOS at checkout to get a huge discount and a one month plus free and a bonus gift. You can protect yourself online and gain vast access to amounts of entertaining content and never miss a Spurs game again. So I'm sure Jason McGovern can't be waiting to use NordVPN. Let's just hope our defence, Jason, is that good? Can I watch the cricket on it? You can watch the cricket on it. That's all right, then. I can. I, I'm up for in that. Any, in any country you like, Jason, you chase the location settings. You'll be like watching watch cricket. Papua New Guinea volcanic diving and things like that. Great. Perfect. <laughs> most certainly. I promise you, you can do it. Honestly, you most certainly can. Right. Story of the game. Where do we start? Um, Joe, we'll come over to you, Jay, to start it because uh, team coming in, uh, Spurs making four changes, of course. Um, we saw Dyer returning for the first time since Chelsea, the league defeat. 
and a first up for Dijan Kulusevski. Um, Hoibi and Emerson were back in for Winks and Doherty. No Regulon due to COVID. So Session kept his place. That team red, Larice Romero, Dyer Davis, Emerson Hoibier, Bentecure, Session, Kulusevski, Kane and Son, with a bench of Galini, Rudin, Doherty, Sanchez, Winks, White, Bergvine, Lucas Scarlett. Jace, when you saw the team, was you happy with it? I think it wasn't that far from what most of us would have predicted. I think probably most of us would have recalled Hoiberg over Winks, particularly for the type of game that it was. Sessignon, you know, with, with Reggie, uh, I think he's confirmed he had COVID. So that wasn't a, a total shock. That's the only option available to him. So it was a question of, do you try and go 3-4-3 and have more up front? Or did you try and go 3-5-2 and Kulu starting? That that was really just the, the only selection to choose. And... Um, Lucas Moura gives that great work ethic, but Kulazewski gave us a real um, real bit of calmness and composure. And there, there was times when he, would, he just reminded me his movement and his his coolness of, of Christian Eriksen, of prime Christian Eriksen. Okay, it was a wider position, but he had that that kind of feel to how Eriksen used to be. And uh, he more than justified his selection. So, you know, we all know we haven't got a pool of 25 players to choose from. You know, none of us would have probably thrown Bergvine or people like that in. Do you pick Emerson? Do you pick Mac Doherty? You know, if we're honest, none of us want to pick either of them, but one of them has to play, doesn't it? So <laughs> it's no good moaning when if one of them gets names and then it always, oh, why has he picked him? And you think, well, you know, what's what's the choices? So it wasn't that far from the team that I, that I would have expected it to be, mate. That's coming to you, Tal. Um, you know, qu- quite interestingly, this game, you know, four minutes in, I don't think we could quite believe the start we had. Um, you know, a great ball from Davis to Kane, then played that wonderful first pass into Son's run. He was well on side. And he unselfishly, I think many of us probably thought Son might go to dink it or maybe try and take it around the keeper, but he unselfishly put it on a plate for Kulisevsky, who not only did he slide it home, nutmeg the defender as well. It was a lovely, lovely start to the game for Spurs. And do you know what? I'm so pleased for Kulisevsky because I saw some rumblings already on Twitter. When do you see rumblings on Twitter, eh? The guy... <laughs> The Never. guy's literally, right, the guy's literally got off the plane. He's put on a Spurs shirt and he's already getting bollocked. He couldn't make this up. I mean, tell you what a great start for him. Do you know what? I think at first I thought Ben Tanker was definitely going to start, and I didn't know about Kulisevsky. I was not sure if he was going to be on the team sheet or not. And I think you know, quite a lot of people said the same thing. When we saw him there, I was like, right, this is a good opportunity to see what he can do. And I think, like you said, everyone was slating him because of his pace. Um, pace isn't everything you know there there is more to people's game and I think we hadn't really seen a lot of that people were quick to jump on the fact that actually he's quite slow but we know Kane isn't the fastest and what is he as a player incredible so you know there's bits and pieces to it but what a start I mean it was sensational wasn't it I mean that ball from Kane was absolutely unbelievable and I think everyone like before it even got down the pitch everyone was like oh that was incredible. You see it at Sonny's feet and you're like, your heart goes because you're just like, exactly that. Is he going to do something silly? Is he going to try and go around the keeper? And I mean, when Sonny's not confident, we've seen it a few times, you know, he hasn't made the right decision and he has done stuff and you're like, mm, why did he do that? And I think there was an element of that definitely for me or in my house, we were just like, oh my goodness. But look, he was completely unselfish, made the right decision. Decky was great. I mean, it went straight mm. through his legs. And I think everyone was just so happy for him. And I yeah, think, yeah. you know what? It got rid of the nerves in so many different ways. Like Absolutely. us as a team, for the fixture, for him on his full debut, 
I think it just made everything come together. And that goal was so powerful in that everyone was like, this is it. Like, we've got this. If we execute this, we can keep going. But look, I think, you know, we'll probably talk about him more. But I think, you know, Decky looks really good. He looks intelligent. And I think yeah. he made really intelligent decisions in the right areas. And I think we should have quite a good player on our hands. I think, you know, he worked his socks off. And that's something that people maybe weren't expecting because they were like, you know, he doesn't look as fit as some of the other players because he has another game time. But I think yesterday he literally ran his socks off. You know, he did and executed everything he needed to do. He didn't have that much of the ball, but I think he made pretty much every touch count. And, yeah. you know, he got like a goal and assist. He should have had another one. And um, But it's bits and pieces in between, I think. You know, he will show his ability more, obviously, as he kind of adapts to the Premier League. But I think as a full debut... It was amazing. I think that yeah. definitely an away upgrade. at City as well. I mean, away at City. Exactly. Look, that yeah. is the pressure, right? You know, having mm. a full debut in the Premier League is already so heavy. But when you're at yeah. the Etihad, you know, you've got all of this. You need to win. Like that's difficult. And four minutes as well. He didn't settle. He didn't no. have an hour to, you know, just like take it all in. It was mm. fourth minute, bang bang. The ball's yeah. at my feet. Full composure, straight through, calm, like. He didn't look like, you know, some players, they don't know what to do when the ball's at their feet and they do have that panic. But I think he just was so calm and he just slotted it in and it was just like, wow. Look, and I, I'm so happy for him in, in more ways than one, but I'm excited yeah. for him. I really am to see what, you know, he becomes. And I think under Conte, again, and, you know, just adapting to the league, I think we've got a good player and definitely an upgrade on Lucas and Stevie B, I think. Absolutely. Well, I mean, just... Just, just on him, I think one of the other big things that, I mean, I used to say it about Lamella, didn't I? About having that definitive game, that definitive big goal. And and Eric Lamella, despite all those years, never really had that definitive mm. definitive moment in a Spurs shirt. And I think with, with somebody like Kulazewski, as an attacking player particularly, you know, it, it's funny when you... You need to earn the respect to your teammates. We, we know what it's like when somebody new comes to work. They need that good day in the office or they need to do something. Yeah. And before you really start to trust them. And so when Sonny has a ball and he thinks, I can only give it to... Uh, when Kane has a ball and thinks, I've got to pass it to Son because I don't trust him on the right side. Suddenly he thinks, ah, mm. oh, right, I can go left or I can go right. Yeah, and, he's got options. get that respect yeah. to the rest of your teammates is huge. Yeah. And yeah. so, he's, you know, he's, those, the rest of those players have come in. Maybe some of them thought, well, I wonder how he'll adapt. They see a performance like that. And it's amazing the confidence that other players will then have in giving the ball to that player in certain areas. So it's it's huge that you do that early on. He's also really young. I think that's... A, 21 years old. Yeah, 20, 21, 20, years old. 21 years old. No, I must say, before we come over to Robert, as Stuart says on the screen there, never understand. We've got Arsenal fans rattled in the comments by watching this podcast. I must say, for all the Arsenal fans out there, I hope you are enjoying every single second of this because we're coming to see you soon and Spurs, don't let me down after I've just said that, please. Rob... Well, it's nice that they turn up, isn't it? Because normally they don't even bother turning up. <laughs> turn up for a Spurs podcast. There you go. Love Arsenal fans. Always the worst. Obsessed. Rattled. Rob, let's come over to you. Um, it's that first goal. We Listen, Kane, the, the mastermind of it. I mean, a, a wonderful pass. But Kulisewski, you know, I think the, fir- the fastest Spurs have scored in their 25 Premier League visits to City. And it also becomes the first Swedish player to score for Spurs since Eric Edmund hit that rocket uh, against Liverpool back in 2005 at Anfield. But... um. I've got to say, Rob, what an unbelievable start for the game for Tottenham. 
yeah, couldn't have gotten any better. And then you're probably just thinking, have Spurs scored too early here? Because then it's just going to be relentless City pressure after that. Uh, but no, uh, incredible start. And on Kulosevsky, didn't someone tweeted me after his debut, was it against uh, Brighton in the Cup? Got 22 minutes and they're saying like, oh, I don't think much of this uh, Kulosevsky already. Just judging him on 20 minutes. Uh, but obviously, uh, new signings need time in the Premier League. And uh, he's made an instant impact. So I thought it was terrific yesterday. As Jason said, just like his movement was exceptional and Kane was picking him out numerous times. And I mean, he, he swung in the cross for Kane's goal, what was disallowed? And then, you know, teed up the winner. So there's a quality player in there. I know some Spurs fans were probably critical of the signings, maybe given how late they came in the window with, Maybe some just viewing it as Paratici just going to his old club and bringing them in. Maybe if they'd signed at the start of Jan at the start of January, maybe some of the viewed it as a bit differently. But Spurs have signed two quality players there. And looking at Kulovsky, his stats, I think when he was at Atalanta under 19s, they had like 25 goal involvements. Mm. It might be in the yeah. 11 goals, 14 assists mm. in uh, a number 10 role. That's where he favours himself playing in that role. So you've got a very good player there. He proved that in Serie A with his season on loan at Parma. Did well in his first season at Juventus as well. So there's a really, really good player there. And someone Conte rates extremely highly. And hopefully there's much more to come from him. Yeah, I mean, I say I thought for me took his goal really well and assisted, of course, the winner in a really impressive display from him. And, you know, Sain and uh, Son and Kane were, of course, the match winners. But I don't think we should overlook that performance of Decky, because, I mean, overall, from a from a full first debut for Tottenham, I don't think you could ask anything more from him. And what really impressed me, Jace, you know, I know he's come from a league in, again, Italy and, and Juve as a team, that there's pressure playing for them. But, you know, already to have to hit the ground running when you know uh, uh, Spurs, of course, I think we all wanted more in that January window. There's going to be pressure there, the expectancy there that we've seen at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, but, you know, you've seen, again, you know, a performance like that, just gives you so much promise and hope, doesn't it? The kind of player we've got there, Jace. Absolutely. I mean, it's not his fault. He's not Luis Diaz, is it? And and some people got seduced yeah. by Luis Diaz. And when you don't get him, it's like, oh God, what have we got here? Typical Levy has done the done the cheap option, rather than looking at the player that's come in and thinking, let's let's give the boy time. And you know, you you got you got uh, people criticising him after twenty minutes that are saying that Gio needs more time after three years. And it's like, what? <laughs> where, where, where's the balance in that? So, you know, give the boys some time to to get going. But like I say, he's had a definitive game early on and he's earned the respect of his teammates. He's, I think next time we see him in a Spurs shirt, we won't be thinking, why is he in the team? He's too slow. He's, we'll suddenly think, this bloke's got something about him. And and that's that's the key thing, is to have that character to go and do things. He didn't go and shrink in a game like that. I think Eric Lamella's debut there was a 6-0 defeat, wasn't it? And so, you know, when, when you put in yeah. a performance like that, when it's, it's easy. Manchester City is not an easy game, is it? And it's easy to just kind of pale into the background in a game like that and the game just yeah. drift you past. But he made a big part in it. And and, and Benton Kerr as well. You know, yeah. he was, I yeah. thought his was a performance. But yeah. fair play to the lad and hopefully he can build on it. But yeah. in the in those first few months, he will have good games, he will have bad games. It's, it's a case yeah. of don't get too heavy on him when he has a bad one. He could go to Burnley and that game might bypass him. Because the different, totally different type of game it is. But let the boys settle for at least more than 20 minutes 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, after the game, Conte said to speak about one player difficult for me. They made a fantastic performance. Kulisewski played a fantastic game. He's only 21, but he's got good experience because when you play for Juve, you have to play with a lot of pressure. And I think that, I say, that again was screaming through just how he managed himself that game. And of course, lovely having someone cross a ball for a winner. And we will come on to that winner, of course, in due course of this show. Uh, City, to be fair to them, you know, when we did go one up, you know, there was real, real pressure there. Uh, we had Gundogan's curling shot that hit the outside of the right-hand post. And City really were getting in for fun down Spurs' right. And eventually, Talia, um, they did level it up. The uh, Reese came out for a low cross, spilt the ball under pressure. It rolled to Gundogan, who absolutely smashed it into the back of the net. And, you know, when you have these games, Tal, you, you feel that, you know, it's a night where you're going to need to be, as a whole, everyone to have what Conte calls a perfect game. And even your goalkeeper, you need to have a perfect game. So at that point, obviously, you felt all that hard work was undone at that moment. Yeah. I think it's difficult because when City attack like that, you know they're going to score, right? At, at some point, you feel in your heart that it's coming and you know that it's happening. But I think all of us are so kind of used to blaming one or more of our defenders that when it's Hugo, and sadly has repeatedly been Hugo in the last few weeks, it's a bit of like a punch in the gut moment. And, you know, people saying, you know, the new contract curse and all of that, you know, People make mistakes. They really do. It's the consecutive ones that are a little bit like, oh, God. But look, if you make mistakes against City, they will punish you. You know, they are a team that does that. You know, regardless of win, lose or draw, they are incredible players and an incredible team. And if you make mistakes and present them a goal on a platter, I'm sure 90% of the time it's a goal, right? And Gundogan was in the right place at the right time. Uh, and it was a huge error from Hugo. And I think, you know, it, it's sad, I think, that there has been a hat-trick of errors from him, if we include the Wolves game. Because before that, he, he's been outstanding this season and has made some incredible saves. And I know I've been on, and I'm sure others have as well, when we've been speaking about some of the anniversaries he's had and how great of a player he is. And I think he is, but it, it's a difference. And it's the whole world-class argument. And, you know, we don't need to go into that. But I think yesterday... It was kind of, it started off in that first half with, you know, it, it was on his shoulders and, and he spilled the ball and he should have done better. But the second half where he made that save, it, it was absolutely incredible. And and that's what a keeper is. I think you can't yeah. punish Hugo too much. Um, you know, he, it is what it is. And thank goodness in this instance, it worked out all right in the end. Yeah. But yeah. I just think we need a bit of sunning from him. I don't know. Like he's our captain at the back and it's just I think the consistency in the mistakes is, is just a little bit unsettling for people at the moment I think is the word but yeah. look I, I love Hugo and I, I think mm. he's amazing so I hope it's the end of a, a few bad games for him. Yeah I mean Rob to come over to you before I go to Jace again Um, you know like Tal said there it is a hat-trick of errors obviously catting walls in a season where he's been outstanding previously made that great saving the second half as well uh, should we be concerned Rob by the consecutive errors or should we be more focusing on what a wonderful save that was in the second half? I'd probably say more focused on that wonderful save. Yeah, there's been errors, but yeah. he's had errors in his game previously and he's bounced back. I think since the pandemic, since we went into lockdown, it's been absolutely fantastic, just so consistent. And especially this season as well, when not everyone's been performing, Hugo's been at the you know top of his game week in, week out. Not a lot of errors. Yeah, there's been a couple of errors over the past few games, but he certainly atoned for that with that save. And as then Jason mentioned earlier in the show, 
other than that, he had nothing to do, really, in terms of saves. And I think that just shows how well Spurs defended as a whole. And then, you know, midfield as well, trying to limit City. But no, I wouldn't be too concerned there. He, he played his part in the win because, you know, if Gundogan scored that goal, then we might not be talking about a Tottenham win. Yeah, no, I agree. Jason Cameron, you, of course, he was making his 400th appearance for Spurs. And um, listen, as we've discussed, gifted City the equaliser, but, you know, fully made up with an incredible one-handed save tonight, Gundogan. When you watch that angle where it literally looks like he's clawing the ball uh-huh. out the back of the net. I know you've always been a massive Hugo fan. Um, the penalty was unstoppable, to be fair to him, late on as well. Um, anything, Jace, you want to say overall? And do you think it's also great the way that he seems to always mentally recover after yeah. a really poor error? Just how he seems to switch back on and focus. That's that's the remarkable of a keeper, isn't it? To be that good to be able to do that. That's that's the key to all of them. Are they? Are you uh, you don't let it affect the rest of the game. You just get on with it. I know people will say well, it affected in the rest of the game against Wolves, but you know Wolves with two mistakes early on is 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 a strange one. But you know we've seen Hugo make those mistakes in the past but it overall you know I always go back to it you know for those xg lovers and you look at it saves per xg is is constantly at the top of that so you know what if he makes four mistakes in a season but makes 20 saves that others don't make it's a big difference you're 16 goals better off and uh you know whenever I hear somebody say well if you know you can pick any goalkeeper I don't know Emmy Martinez or, or whatever he wouldn't make that type of mistake but you think but then he won't make the 20 saves that Hugo makes either so sometimes it's it's like the old goal difference, isn't it? It's the pluses and minuses. But I've you know whenever he's been called a liability, I've I've never never gone down that route. I've, he's the best goalkeeper we've had since since Clements for sure. And you know in the Premier League era, is by far our best goalkeeper. And we will struggle to replace him with anywhere near that quality. You might get somebody who doesn't quite make as many mistakes but they won't make the saves that Hugo Lloris did. And you're right, that save reminded me of the Philip Coutinho save, albeit yeah. in the other corner. Yeah. You know, I just an amazing yeah. save and yeah. um, fair play to him. Yeah. Um, a comment on the screen there from uh, Richard Blackdog who says, Ricky Villa goal in the cup final, we played 81. Kane and not if minute yesterday. Man City, the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving 40 years now. There you go, Richard, loving it. Um, right, and we must discuss Spurs going, of course, uh, 2-1 ahead. And like I say, Phil there, quote that one there, for all you XG lovers, Jason McGovern, 2022. There you go. Who would have thought we'd be seeing that on the screen there as a quote? Right. Um, Spurs going 2-1 up. Uh, and it was, honestly, the scenes it caused. Because uh, I think we've all got a bit of Going into half-time, there was a fear of City just coming out for that second half and absolutely going for us. But um, we went back ahead. Setting uh, on pick up a loose ball. Fed Son, who curled in a terrific Brilliant cross for Harry Kane to volley superbly into the top corner. And you watch that run back from Kane to bust a gut to get there after his initial run. And just the, the goal itself, uh, come over to you, Tal. We'll start with you on this. What just unbelievable, wasn't it? Kane is just uh, unreal. Look, I, I just want to cover as well. I don't want to touch on it too much. But I saw someone before being like, oh, do you remember when Tal said about Kane on the show? I just want to say, summer. Mm. yeah. I never, ever said that I wanted Kane to leave. I worship Kane. I just said, you look, if his head was gone and he was never going to be in it anymore, then, you know, it was something to think about. Kane is back, right? Those conversations are buried under the water, in my opinion. He and Conte are like this. It's the manager he wants. We back him. Kane stays. Kane yesterday was, you know, at his absolute best. 
right? He had everything in that performance yesterday. And I don't think there's a single person watching, Spurs fan or just a neutral, that did not think that Kane's all-around performance was absolutely insane. You know, he's just a beautiful footballer. And we've seen, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times, if not more. And, you know, the balls he does, the finishes, just everything. I think he was absolutely next level yesterday. The goal was incredible. And I think we're just so lucky to have him on the end of these things, just the visions and everything he does. But look, that goal was absolutely huge. I think for him as well, his record against City isn't the best of, you know, all the clubs that he plays against. And like you said, and we touched on earlier, he has something to prove, whether how big part of that it was, we don't know. But he, yesterday, was so up for it in every way, hyped, and I think, you know, it just kind of panned out exactly how it was. I think they touched on it in their interview after that. That was something that they very much can attribute to Conte and what they've been practicing on and off the pitch or in the training yeah. field even. And I think look, we've all kind of known that Sonny and Kane have an incredible partnership and they're now, you know, at the highest of the Premier League um, or equal to even in their little duo between them. But look, they know where each other are. They can trust each other. And I think yesterday was just another example that he had the vision, passed him the ball. He was always putting that away. And that's when Kane's at his best. It was just out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's just God. That's honestly, it was an amazing move. I know, Jace, you didn't enjoy the Jose Mourinho era too much, but what they did do, coming over to you, Rob, was um, it brought the best out of Kane and Son. There's no doubt about that. The, 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 the quality between the two was just remarkable, and it felt like we went kind of back to that yesterday, just the way that both the players were intertwining, kind of knew where each other were. And I know, obviously, we touched upon the fact that Tal said there, um, you know, it seemed that Spurs were obviously planning that during the week, obviously having that entire week, as you mentioned. Um, but the, the move itself, Rob, you know, the, the telepathy, to find Kane with a, a wonderful finish. And, you know, of course, that means now that um, Harry Kane, who means sort of equaled Frank Lampard and Didier Drogba's record for the most goal combinations in Premier League history, 36. The, the move itself, Rob, the telepathy between the two players, just remarkable, wasn't it, for the goal? Yeah, it was outstanding. I actually thought Ryan Sessegnon would just kind of have a shot because it fell kindly to him and in space as well. But yeah. thankfully, he did play the ball to Son and... As you said, Kane busts the gut to get in there. And I know everyone has been raving about Kane's passing. That finish was sensational as well, mm. just to open his body up and find the top corner. No keeper in the world would have saved that. That was literally postage stamp. That move was terrific. But the one what actually impressed me move was the one after when Edison saved from Kane when basically it was, I think it was Sessignon into Benton Kerr, played it inside to Son again, who then picked out Kane. That was such a great move and that actually deserved uh, a goal. And yeah, you know, Spurs went and won the game, but the football they played at times, the way they counted, there's some brilliant, brilliant moves there and potentially could have, you know, scored more than three. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's a shame because the, the move afterwards was equally just as good, if not better, yeah. like you touched upon there. And, um, you know, at one point you felt maybe being cheeky and we could have gone free one up. But, Jace, I mean, listen, as we've discussed, you know, again, when you look at that previous era of Mourinho and the, the link up between Kane and Son, um, I think that's one of the partnerships that for some reason just hasn't quite been there this season. But there's no reason, Jace, why we can't get back to it, right? Because we just saw the quality there against City and they're the best, one of the best teams in the league. So why can't we see this on a more regular basis? No, you should be able to. And the, the understanding that each of the others have. I mean, Kane, Kane can play that ball to Son because he knows Son will make that run. 
and Son can make that run because he has total confidence that Kane will get the ball and find him. So it was actually, I saw a, a comment where, where somebody was talking about whether they should have paid the money for him in the summer. And they said, actually, if you was going to go and buy Kane, you should try and buy Son at the same time because, you know, Kane without Son might not quite be the, the same for a time and Son without Kane wouldn't be the same. So rather than targeting them as two players, if, you, if you're the type of club that does want to target them, you're actually better to target both at exactly the same time and take them as a pair. It is a, it's an amazing relationship they have. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that Sonny... It almost was an assist for each other, wasn't it? I know Kulosevsky scores it, but the way that, that Kane put him through and then they get on the end of each other, they do it so often. They know each other's games. and, and But, I mean, they've played together for what? How long has Sonny been there now? What's this, six years for Sonny now? I'm trying to think six. when he when he came. Yeah. Is it six, season six, season five, season six? So, you know, it, it just, just shows you that, that, that understanding takes its time. But once it's once it clicks, and that's that's the disappointment that I have with Lucas Mora that, He's never quite got on the same wavelength like Son's got on the same wavelength. And that's always been my my problem with Lucas Moura of the two. Yeah, and I, say, I think many picked up on it. The, the post-match interview yesterday between the two on Sky was uh, remarkable. You can see there's a lot of love there for both of them. What I actually really enjoyed was the fact that, you know, Son was saying um, early into that interview that, you know, how frustrated he was and angered he was that Kane was being doubted at the start of the season. And Because uh, he said everybody believed that Kane had goals in his locker. And I think, you know, again, you look at performance yesterday, as we've touched upon with Kane, um, arguably probably one of his best in a Spurs shirt. And again, we've discussed the point of Kane not stepping up enough, not stepping up enough on the big occasion for Spurs. And I think, again, that kind of, it, it relates to a reference there. You know, this isn't a reason, you know, when you look at Kane's performance yesterday, there's no reason why, hopefully, please God, Spurs have got an FA Cup journey to come why Kane can't use that as a marker yesterday to be there in the big games. I think that's one point that we've seen, Rob, um, you know, with Kane and Son, that, you know, Son's always been the man that's been the frustration for City. But there was this real, I don't know, this, this real determination about Kane making it his game, his day. Do you think Kane can use his game as a reference point now for the big games that come Spurs' way to be that main man? Hopefully, yeah, that's what everyone hopes. But I think if you go back to January, he played really, really well against Leicester. He was outstanding mm -hmm. that day. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's been coming for a while and everything just clicked yesterday. It was, you know, players do go through rough patches and he did have that at the start of the season. But he showed against City just how influential he can be on this Tottenham team. Two goals could have been a hat trick if that one counted. Uh, what got disallowed by VAR, and so yeah, fingers crossed he can you know just carry on now because it's such an important period coming up for Tottenham in the top four race. They're gonna have to see get the wins on the board and hope everyone else drops points along the way. And then there's also the FA Cup, uh, yeah. not a bad draw. Middlesbrough, I know they've been doing well in the championship, but if you beat, mm -hmm. beat them. Then you're into the quarterfinals, and you're yeah. one game away from Wembley. So, as I was Conte, going to Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Conte oh. uh, in his two seasons with Chelsea, mm. he got to the FA Cup final in both both seasons. So he will be focused on winning the cup as well. I mean, yeah. there's no distraction of Europe now, yep. as well. So, yeah, hopefully Spurs can get fourth and then have a. A cup run, and fingers crossed, we'll see Kane play a big, big part in that. Yeah, and the other it. the other thing to say on Kane is that 
you know, people say it's his seventh goal of the season. It isn't. It's his 173rd. Because don't forget, he's a one-season wonder. So, you know, it's, if, he's got, if he's only played for one season, he's got 173 league goals in him. So it's not his seventh at all. Right, so we're going to come on to you. Um, listen, of course, we saw a VAR check against uh, a potential third goal for Spurs that got ruled out. Ben, ben Davis, to be fair to him, a lovely cross-field ball to Kuliseski. Ben Davis. Was I did it say six ben. or six and a half yesterday? Are you giving him a seven? <laughs> I'll give him a seven yesterday, Ben give Davis. A seven. Oh, I'll give him a seven. Fantastic. <laughs> see, I don't get, see, when you're not on it, I don't get rid of Ben Davis now. I'm constantly giving him sevens. But no, it was a, a lovely ball cross-field um, to Kulisevsky. Ran in the box and he shot uh, deflected into the path of Kane. And to be fair, the, the finish from Kane, who took a touch, I mean, it was a wonderful finish. It is a real shame it was denied, of course, by VAR because um, it was such a great move. Kulisevsky, listen, I half an inch offside. It was definitely, obviously, offside, so you can't deny that. But um, we then saw the bad side of AR Tal. And um, I think all of us at this point at this point thought, this is why I'm a Spurs fan, because of moments like this where you're going into stoppage time. And um, for a possible handball, Romero, to be fair for me, um, it's a difficult one. It, obviously, his, his arms are up there unnaturally. Yeah. I'm trying to think, if I was a Man City fan, I would be calling for that. So... I mean, trying to be unbiased here, which is hard when you do a Spurs podcast, I could understand why the referee gave it. And I think the minute he goes towards the monitor to have to go and watch it again, your heart's in your mouth. But what I will say is that I found quite unbelievable is that when the ref um, got to the monitor, the, I don't know if you guys saw it, the video was paused on the ball. When it really turned, yeah. It, I, was I, thinking, I was thinking, you know, yeah. <laughs> talk it about China convincing that it's not a penalty. The ball, the referee goes to the monitor and the ball's actually on Romero's hand. I couldn't believe it. But, I mean, Tao, I mean, was it the right decision, in your opinion? I th- I saw. I-, I think the perfect kind of summary was it was a penalty, but it wasn't an unnatural position. <laughs> like, that is somehow summarises it perfectly. And, like, I know the rules change all the time. Um Look, it hit his hand. So, like you said, if you're the opposition, that's a penalty. And you would say clear as day. His hand's in the air. It's above his head. That's a penalty. And I think it was the right decision. I think as soon as it happened, your gut knew it was a penalty. However, at the same time, I don't think it was one of the really stupid ones where someone's got their hand behind their head, swinging it around, like, come hit me. You know, it was very much, I'm falling over. The natural position is your hand kind of falls and that that is what happened it was almost unlucky in that sense but it was a pen and I think you can't really argue against it mm. I think there's been a fair share where we're like look the ref was against us they're biased blah 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 it was a pen this time and I think we just have to take that on our shoulders and he'll learn from it as well you know he yeah. will and it was remarkable it was amazing during the game wasn't it we'll come on to him in a second but I mean it was unbelievable performance tell wasn't it unbelievable for him it was. I think that he's a Rolls Royce defender, and I, you know, he's the new Ledley, as people are saying. And I mm. think we are so lucky to have yeah. him on our team. You know, yeah. he was what best player last year in the league or whatever he got. And mm. I think, you know, to come to Spurs, especially amongst everything, you know, we were kind of all a little bit like, oh, is he as good as people say? Because why would he come here? But I think we've all seen it. He's, yeah. yeah. Some of the stuff he does is absolutely yeah. unreal. And realistically, you know, he's been injured for quite a bulk of time since he's been yeah. with us. And, you you know, you like to think, oh, if he wasn't injured, would we have better performances? Same with Dyer. But I think, you know, as a structure, having those two at the back and Ben Davies, whatever, mm. is so much more solid. Um, yeah. But, yeah, look, I sincerely hope we obviously get him 
permanently, pay for it properly. And he's with us for a long time and, you know, settles yeah. in. And totally agree. We are, we'll come on to Romero shortly. But Rob, um, from the journalist perspective now, asking you to uh, take off any Tottenham hat that you might have on there. Um, Rob, penalty-wise, right decision from the referee, impossible to not give that based on when he goes to view that at the monitor? And uh, just as we asked uh, Rob, it was almost like it was almost like Mike Riley pulled his line then. <laughs> yeah, uh, what I was saying before froze, uh, it was a penalty. I don't think you could have any grumbles at all with it. His hand was up. Uh, but if, if you watch it again, Romero's putting his body on the line there to do anything he can, you know, to stop that ball coming in. And you can't make that movement with your hands down by your side. Mm. Hand is in a natural position yeah. for that yeah. movement. It hits it. It's yeah. a penalty. And you know, if it was at the opposite end of the, end of the pitch, Spurs fans would be saying, "Yeah, it's a definite it. penalty yeah, as well." So, yeah, uh, can't have any complaints with it. It was no, no I agree. It's one of those where, again, I mean, as I said, as a City fan, I'd be, I'd what you'd be calling for that. And um, Jerome says a bit of a conspiracy theory, but look at that fourth official when Kane scored. He looked as disappointed as Pep. Could be a camera angle, but it makes you think. All I would say, Jerome, is that. Um, I'm trying to be, again, unbiased here, which is hard on the last one on Spurs and trying to host the show. But I don't think we see that clip long enough to see what the full reaction is. In that moment, it does look like because Guardiola's in the shot, that he is massively disappointed where, you know, that would be really strange, you know, if, if that is what it is, because you think, what is going on here? But again, listen, it's one up for debate. But Jason, quickly on... The, well, just, just on it, you know, people talk about corruption and, and things like that, which which I've never believed. Um, it's worth saying that Anthony Taylor didn't give the penalty. Mm, yeah, yeah, he had to be the way to play on, on the He monitor. didn't give the penalty. No, no, he and didn't. And then when it goes to VAR, I don't think you could argue it. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a deliberate handball. His hand's not unnatural, but his hand definitely comes towards the ball. And as soon as you saw it, I mean, I, I think Anthony Taylor's... And that's where I think VAR is right. When they talk about clear and obvious, you only needed to look at it actually once when you saw from that angle and you thought, that's a penalty. That's a yeah. For me, the problem with VAR comes when they look at it 22 times from 15 yeah. angles for three minutes. And I think if you need to see it that much, it's not clear and obvious. That yeah. was the perfect thing of clear and obvious. One look, one angle, job done. It was a penalty all day long. And you're right, up the other end, we'd be absolutely livid if it mm. wasn't given. And we'd be saying it's corrupt that it wasn't given up the other end. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the fourth official, you know, it, it does look rather strange, his reaction, but he... He's probably thinking, oh, no, now I'm going to get barrels from Pep because Romero wasn't sent off because he got booked. That's a good point. And that's yeah, what City point. were arguing about is that booked and then it's deliberate. If it's taken as deliberate handball, why isn't it mm. a, a second yellow? So, you know, I think that's probably what's on Craig Paulson's mind. of oh, Who'd be a fourth official anyway with, no. with, with the amount of abuse they get? But it did look strange, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it would generally be a referee, but you're spot on. Jason, well, stick with you. To stick with you, Jason. Um, listen, we have to come to you first for the reaction for that winner. Um, Kane heading home. I mean, <laughs> listen, the scenes on the touchline, Conte, listen, whatever you think about Antonio Conte, how can you not love him? He's almost like a Spurs <laughs> fan, the way he jumps into the, to the, obviously, to the players. And even Roden, bless him. I don't think Roden was expecting that bear hug he got from Conte. But he was, was joining the celebrations. He didn't get on, but he got a bear hug oh, from Conte. Just, just explain you know, that you... moment, Jason, as, as a Spurs fan. You feel it doesn't really happen to us. But again, City away, you get moments like that. You can't. It's the emotion of football, isn't it? And um, 
I bet if we all had a secret camera at home watching our reaction, you'd you you don't feel like you're doing it. I mean, no. the only time I think a camera was ever on me, I didn't realise was was that famous Swansea win mm. when we when we did it in the dying seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah, when great. when my missus showed me this, I was like, "What I did that? I had no idea what I did." <laughs> And, and I bet it's the same with Amsterdam. So many of us did things. We have yeah. no idea Football does what it. we did in yeah, Amsterdam. Emotions. And it's yeah. one of those mo last minute winners are always like that. But particularly in a high game like that, the emotion comes and I'm, I'm sure my neighbour, I'm sure my neighbour knew what had happened and, and the rest of the street <laughs> did over the top of Hurricane Hurricane <laughs> Eunice or whatever it was. I mean, Jet TV was exciting, but this was this was on a different level, wasn't it? That's for sure. It was incredible. I mean, uh, Tao, coming over to you. Um, I mean, just the moment that, you know, we saw that lovely cross from Kulisevsky um, and, and the, the goal itself from Kane, that the power of, the, you know, the header itself, the move from Spurs, you know, to have that belief that after that VAR decision goes against them, that there is still another goal in this game for Tottenham. Mentality-wise, how massive is that? We saw that against Leicester a few weeks ago, and yet again from Spurs to go and believe there's a winner in this for us at Man and City and Watford. and Watford. But City are potential champions in waiting here. The way Spurs acted, you know, that's a team that believes, don't they? And that's down to the manager, isn't it? Surely, hundred percent. I think we've said how many times that mentality is one of our biggest issues. You know, of course, that is very much a, a fluid thing, and players have come in and out, but. There's been so many times where we haven't been able to see things through because our mentality isn't where it needs to be to be a top challenging team. But I think, you know, with confidence, it, it does obviously increase and get better. And I think recently you've definitely seen a shift in that those boys, until the whistle blows, they know that there is a goal in it for them if they just keep pushing. And, and you know, that makes a difference between people that are challenging and people that are happy to be mediocre, middle of the table. I think... You know, that's what you have to channel. And we saw it with Harry and Bergwijn and Leicester. You know, the second that went in, they picked up the ball and went straight back to the centre circle. And that is drilled in that it's not over until it's over. Why settle? You know, look, of course, it takes a lot to be like, that's been disallowed. They've just equalised, dying moments. Can we go again? <laughs> but... <laughs> But frankly, course, Tottenham, quite frankly, I can't believe this. Can we have now. the video, Frank? We need the video of this. <laughs> for, for listeners and audio, Frank says, my missus went out of the house topless. Unbelievable. Back to you, Tal. Sorry for cutting you short there. No, Why was she topless at uh, past six on a Saturday night? It's too early. Wait till 10.30, mate. Wait till match of the day's on for that. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, Tao itself, you know, the way the players even at full time, that the reaction amongst the group there, that, that's a group it's that's elation. Believing, it's yeah. elation and relief and pure happiness. Because I think when you play games like that, how many times have we played well and not got what we, we deserved? And you come away, and that's when it's the most frustrating that you put in a shift and you think, we deserved something from that game and we got nothing. It's happened repeatedly with Liverpool, I think, is a, the clear and obvious one. Sometimes we play really well and we don't get what we deserve and you just feel so gutted. And I think that is almost what you have to channel. And I think we deserved something from yesterday. There was so much good in the game that it would have been honestly such a shame to not have achieved anything. And I think it was pure happiness, elation, and just more than anything, just confidence that came oozing out because it was, you know, we've got what we came here to do. We've achieved it. On to the next one. It's set up for the next game. 
I just think, you know, it, all around it was great. And Conte Cam is one of my favourite things in the whole mm. world. I yeah. love how passionate he is. Like, yeah. truly. It's amazing to see. But it's contagious as well, you know? Yeah, yeah you totally. You look at that, yeah. you see the emotion. And that makes yeah. you want to fight for someone. You know, yeah. we got um, drive yeah. people. But, you know, I will say, I think in interviews, he comes across so dull and, like, dry in Conte. And then when you see him on the touchline, he is so full of, like chaos and like yeah. amazing emotion I'm like the two don't match up I think when players see him on the touchline running they're happier than anyone you know and, and that is contagious and I'm just so happy <laughs> Did, didn't the beard stroking of Nuno do the same thing for you <laughs> unfortunately Jason I'm not a beard girl you know so <laughs> didn't do it for me <laughs> and a lot of beard people that were just lost now <laughs> after that comment so sorry for obviously Robert it's not well. about his beard it could have been his chin but he was just he just saw him puzzled like this the whole game and thought a bit like a garden gnome on the side and you thought you know what what, what is yeah. he doing but I think and anyone like you are motivated by someone being in your corner 24-7, whether that's, you know, a job or football. If you look to your right and you see someone like cheering you on, motivating you, saying push, do this, do that. That gives you an extra edge than someone just standing there almost being like, I don't really know what to do now. I don't know what sub I need. I, I don't know what to do here. You know, he always know like he seems like he always is pushing them to do better. And I think that is what this player players need. And I think that is part of building this philosophy yeah. mentality change. It's that actually I've got you, like I'm here to support you. I'm not just here behind the scenes. Like I'm going to help you get through it. And it, it proved it yesterday. And I think having those moments, especially on camera as well, I think it's so yeah. amazing to see. And the players would have seen that back. You know, a lot of them wouldn't have seen that live. They'd have been with each other huddling. But when I see that, they're like, oh, just, this guy is real. Yeah. Like, he's raw and he's Tottenham. And that's yeah. unreal. Yeah, it was. Rob, coming over to you. Um, I, I struggle to think of a more, uh, more than just eye-catching from Kane, but just a, a full performance from a player like that, you know, to have, you know, the involvement that he's had, not only goal scoring wise, but, you know, link up from passing as well. I think many people, you know, Spurs fans, I think we've all known for a very, very long time, you know, Kane's ability, not just for finishing, but for passing. But I think, you know, that game in itself was real statement to City. You know, it was almost to say, look what, you know, you, you missed out on here. And again, I'm not trying to, you know, trying to wedge there any City bits to come in, but... As I said at the early start of the show, you almost feel like the 75 million when you watch that performance was almost an insult when you think they paid 100 million for Jack Grealish. But overall, Rob, you know, Kane will obviously take the headlines and what a goal to win it. Yeah, uh, just coming back to the celebrations first, uh, mm. one thing people might not have noticed, mm. you want to watch Ryan Sessegnon, what he does, because he was substituted off at the far side. Mm. And Paul had, had to make his way all the way around the pitch again. And whilst he's walking back, Kane scores. And you, there's a video of him on, doing the rounds on Twitter today. He yeah. sprints past like the City dugout straight onto Emerson, I think, just joins in with the celebrations. The celebrations were fantastic. Uh, but going back to your question on Kane, yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably just see Kane as uh, a goal scorer, but he is such a. Uh, an all-round player. He's got everything in his game. He's brilliant. Hold-up play, uh, ability to bring the ball down, play in others is so, so good. And you're just thinking if City were bidding £75 million, that's just like a derisory offer. I know mm. talk about Levy having that gentleman's agreement with him, but there's got to be a suitable bid what comes in. 
and obviously it wasn't you need to double that really if you want in Kane you want 150 million yeah he's that good and he proved that yesterday mm. yeah he might have had a bit of a rough start to the season perhaps a hangover from the Euros and obviously maybe not getting the move but he's proved it so far this year what a good player he is and same same as last year he was Premier League top scorer and got the assist as well in the league didn't he so yeah. He's got every he's got everything to his game. He's such such a good player, and Tottenham is so so lucky to have him because he's yeah. literally he's world class. Yeah, I think when is. you when you go to Man City, I think we'd all we'd all probably say we think of the best passer in the Premier League as Kevin De Bruyne, who's an amazing amazing passer. I think there was six or seven passes from Kane yesterday. I can't remember one from Kevin De Bruyne, and that's not a criticism mm. of Kevin De Bruyne, but to to go to Kevin De Bruyne's domain and pass the ball repeatedly, one after the other like that. Right foot pass, left foot pass, crossfield pass, through the middle pass, little flick round the corner pass. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne would have come off that, that pitch and thought, Jesus, this bloke's a good player. And, and that's why that price in the summer, you, last year in Kane, you had, you had prime Aguero and, and you had prime Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. And if you're trying to buy Aguero and prime Kevin De Bruyne, you have to pay a lot more than 100 million to get them in their prime. And that's what he was. And so, you know, the Manchester City needed to bid 170, 180 million for him to have any chance. And mm. uh, I, I didn't realise Kevin De Bruyne gave it away. But I mean, you know, I mean, in general, he's, we, we all yeah. sit back week in, week out and talk about what an amazing pass of the ball Kevin De Bruyne is. But he got a passing lesson on Sunday, on Saturday, yeah. that's for sure. Well, again, our comments here, Peter saying, you know, Kevin De Bruyne dispersed 31 times yesterday, King Hoddle there saying, you know, we actually shut Kevin De Bruyne yeah. out of the game. I think, again, credit to Conte for that. You know, the way Spurs um, really, really seem to, like I say, you know, Kevin De Bruyne is one of the best players in the world, right? You know, so to be able to you know, obviously shut him out of a game, that's a, a really well thought out plan from Conte. Unbelievable. Um, right. I mean, again, you know, there's so many players that we still want to talk about. I'm just conscious of the time. And uh, you know, again, you know, we've got Burnley to also come. And you know, for all for reference, we did say to Rob, it will be under three hours. It will be under three hours, Rob. <laughs> it will be under two hours, I promise you. So we are going to, like I say, uh, try and move swiftly on. Um, but, you know, Conte said on Harry Kane, he's been trying to make him more of a focal point. Uh, we're working with him. He's also become a po well, reference for us to become more of a striker because sometimes in the past, he liked to go outside and play uh, the box. He's also very good at this. And uh, Guardiola, I thought was quite funny after the game was asked about, you know, if he now admires Kane even more on the back of a course that performance, he said it was never an option in terms of signing him, signing him in the summer. So let's forget the summer. It's not necessarily today to show his quality and his goals. All of the UK knows that. So there you go. Um, that was Pep Guardiola's thoughts on Harry Kane. Right. Going from defence to uh, defence to attack, I mean Christian Romero. Obviously, he was on the uh, the back on the right of the back three. You know, he was unfortunate, as we said, to concede that penalty after what was could only be described as a really authoritative display from the Argentine. Uh, Tao, you know, you talked talked about him earlier. Um, that 98th minute clearance, you know, I don't think it's been highlight, highlighted anywhere near as much as it should be. It was remarkable, wasn't it, to have still the ability to go like that. That late in the game, obviously, that was a really important interception when you think about it because could be going anywhere in that box, could be going in. How good was the overall tell? Obviously, like you said earlier, brilliant player. For I think just, he's a top class centre back, and I think it's so clear to everyone. I think he reads the game so incredibly well. And look, I, I do think the whole penalty situation was unfortunate, and that's kind of like take that aside in this situation. But I just think the way he reads the game is so 
good and you you kind of almost trust that everything is going to do is right like you know how we watch the oreos and the dohatus of the world and we all have a bit of a oh god like you know like that yeah exactly <laughs> you don't trust that they've got this they don't have it romero has the ball you trust that he's going to make an unbelievable tackle and that it might be jumping the bandwagon and, and et cetera. But I just think he's so quality. He's impressive and look, he's amazing. I, but I don't want to you know, undermine Dyer and the partnership at the back and the whole thing. I think yesterday everyone was great, but I generally think he's great. And I hope that he is the foundation of our back line mm. for a long time to come. And yeah. like I said, I want to shout out Dyer as well because I, I sincerely mm. do think that with Sanchez in that back line, we are nowhere near as strong as when Dyer's there. And I think together, I know we don't see them working too, too much, but yeah, thing is great. Someone said, yeah, he's such a baller. He is a baller. And yeah. I think we're bloody lucky to have him. And if people, some people are saying it's not, you're lying. You're actually yeah. lying. <laughs> no, I agree. So I agree. Rob, coming over to you. Um, I also want to bring Eric Dyer into the conversation as well because... Um, it was so easy to see why Conte was so desperate to have him back, wasn't it? You know, that performance yesterday from him, you know, he really, I would say the word, and I mean this, honestly, I think he transformed that back line. We looked so much more assured. There was almost a real calmness um, from what had been a real jittery mess, we've got to be honest here, on the back of those Wolves and Southampton defeats. But um, I think it gave Conte a real solid base to kind of work from the back to then forward. And, you know, overall, those two, um, thoughts on them, Rob, both of them? Exceptional. I mean, you've got to include Ben Davis in that as well. He was excellent. I know ev everyone's going to get uh, Harry Kane, obviously Son, Kulisewski, Argon's get all the credit for the win. But I think you've got to give plenty of plaudits to the back three because they were under a lot of pressure throughout, defended extremely well. Uh, Romero, just he's just so confident. Even when he's, you know, on the ball or trying to defend in the corner, you just trust him. And what we've seen from Romero so far during his time at Tottenham is he he will get on the ball and run out of the back line. But there was none of that from him yesterday. So Conte obviously must have drilled that into him that you cannot leave gaps in the defence because obviously City will yeah. exploit them. But Dyer as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, I asked Conte uh, about Dyer a few months ago in the press conferences and he did say he can become one of the best players in the world in that position. So obviously mm. he's seen something in Dyer to say that. I know Dyer has yep. an awful lot of critics, but over the past few seasons, it has played well in the centre-back, perhaps just lacks that consistency to his game, but I think he's got that now under Conte. And, you know, Conte and the Italian game, they know how to defend. So Dyer and everyone else who just kind of picked so much up from um, Conte and his coaching staff. And also I think what helps everyone is at the back. Dyer can speak a number of languages. A good so point, can, yeah, great he, point. He can communicate yeah. with Sanchez when he's there, with Romero, and I think yeah. that makes everything easier for them. He's and, so vocal as well, in what, yeah. irrespective of language. I think he really does help the back line gel together. Mm. Him and Larice. I think they are quite loud together. And I think Dyer is very much a shout and trying to help people come together. And I think he definitely gets overlooked in terms of that kind of superiority and almost uses it experience for the better. Yeah, I think his leadership skills and organisational right. <laughs> skills are there. And you can see that. And 
what we noticed when the games were behind closed doors is actually how loud some of the players are, Hugo especially, okay. yeah. Dyer as well. Whether players can hear that on the pitch further upfield, I don't know, given the noise in the stadium. Mm. But uh, no, Dyer, Romero, exceptionally. Dyer, Dyer's got to be in the next England squad. Yeah. No, I, 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 you'd be surprised, wouldn't you, if he doesn't get given a recall. Um, bearing in mind, I, the way I, I mean, Jason, I, I absolutely had a go at Lee McQueen for him suggesting that Dyer should be anywhere near a Spurs lineup. But there you go, isn't it funny? Football, you want to, you want to be, pro, you want to be proved wrong. Listen, you, you want to be proved wrong. You really, really do. Uh, Jace, uh, concert time. Uh, Romero, Eric Dyer, Ben Davis thoughts, and uh, Damien also says just Dyer and Romero together. Just how important are they as a partnership? <laughs> Massive, and I think also positionally it helps if Dyer's the middle one of the three. Um, I think you saw how Romero maybe struggled a little bit being the middle one that has to give those instructions out or do most of the talking. And I think it's better for him to be on one of the on the right hand side. But I think fair play. I must face it, fair play to Anthony Taylor yesterday because my worry was that he would eventually give a penalty against Romero from one of those corners, and it's the one thing that perhaps. It, that as time goes on for Romero, he'll have to learn when you can tread the, the physical line and when other yeah. teams will look at that and think, there's a chance for me to go down in the box from corners and with a different referee, you might well find he'll give a silly penalty away on that. So it's just those little things to learn, but you only get that through playing the league and learning your players and things like that. His general game looks superb, but it's just one of those two little bits that, that in time, that you'll need to smooth out. But fair play, I mean, the, I was worried at every corner yesterday, I must admit, early on, because every single corner, you, we, we know pushing and shoving goes on at corners, but he kept looking at Romero and, and Diaz as a pair, didn't he? And I thought, yeah. eventually, something's going to happen here if we're not careful. So, fair play to Anthony Taylor for letting that go for most of the time. Yeah, like you said, I think that's just one element. Listen, he's been remarkable since he's been here. But like you said, it's just knowing how far you can tread that line and how far you can yeah, go. And you only get that from you, you only get that through playing and learning. Yeah. And like I say, you learn your referees. You learn with a John Moss. Maybe you can't do that. Yeah. And you learn against certain certain attackers. I can't yeah. do that. Like a, with a Salah, they'll fall over, or a Richarlison's yeah. going to fall over. It's it's just learning, yeah. which you only do from playing games. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, very quickly, uh, Ben Davis, of course, involved in the build-up to Son's goal uh, with that fine pass. And you know, I, I say played very well, uh, Ben Davis. He really, really did play very well. Uh, Emerson Royal, listen, credit to Emerson Royal. We just haven't got the time to touch upon these players due to the amount of time we've given to so many. But you know, he made some really, really um, important contributions there defensively to him and included a, a massive block on Raheem Sterling. To be fair to Emerson Royal, who's taken a lot of stick recently, but um, you know. To be fair to Emerson, had a good game. Matt Doherty, obviously, of course, Talia's favourite. He came on for Emerson. Uh, he did help Spurs see out a really, really important win. It was a real disciplined display from Doherty for the timing that he was on it. He actually made a real crucial block to deny Bernardo Silva. So massive credit to him. As Jason says on the screen there, to remind me, 7 out of 10. And so does Phil. We'll give him a 7 out of 10, no problem at all. Uh, Ryan Sessignon, you know, interestingly, um, Tal, coming over to you, um, played a massive part, of course, in Kane's goal. Um Again, many may feel he looked a bit hesitant on the ball. For me, you know, I think he's growing in that role. And you could maybe argue that. I've, I always feel with Cesar Young, over time, he may end up being um, Spurs' first choice left back, which again is a big, or a left wing back, which is obviously a big statement to make. Bearing in mind, Regulon is probably the favourite out of the two for the moment. But very quickly on Cesar Young, because um, of time tell, thoughts on him? Can he use his performance as a platform now? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think he has to play more. 
you know, he is very much not got the consistency in playing um, and he lacks confidence, right? Like if he played consistently and learned from people around him, I think he'd be a lot more confident. Um, I think especially after what happened the previous game where he got taken off early, um, that's obviously quite a difficult thing to take. And we've seen it with more experienced players that that's actually quite hard. But I think, you know, for the player that he is to take that on the chin, start the next game against City at the Etihad and play the way he did is really quite great. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to slate Cess because I think he had a good game and like, he mm. had good runs, he had space. He just lacks that bit of confidence for me, I think. You know, if he did have that, he would make a lot more through balls and have yeah. that vision. And he has the ability to do that, but I don't mm. think he gets that if he just plays here and there. And very quickly on Emerson, um, for me, he isn't the answer. Sorry for any form of negativity, but he's just not it for me. Mm. Um, but neither is Doherty. So <laughs> that's yeah. definitely the weak link. And I think Pep knew that. He did a lot of um, of his channeling work down that side to yeah. try and target him. And mm. that's where a lot of it kind of came through. And if it wasn't for the boys at the back, then I think they would have obviously been a lot more successful. But yeah. look, he did make some good things as well. And like I said, it, it's not one to slate on anyone. I think, mm. you know, it was an all round great performance for all five, three, whatever you want at the back. So yeah, fair yeah. play for both. I think with Cess, just... he just needs to develop a personality. Because I, I, I believe he that talent's in him. Well, he just needs to rope. <laughs> yeah, he needs a person. I mean, you, you don't see him really talking to others. It's as if he's scared to organise at corners and things because someone will turn around to him and say, well, you ain't played very well. And he, he's kind of within his shell all the time. And, mm. you know, he's had a terrible year, hasn't he, that he's had injury problems and he gets a chance in that. Europa League game and gets himself sent off in 20, what was it, 25 minutes, yeah, waits yeah. ages for a chance, plays against Liverpool, played well against Liverpool, immediately out injured from that, comes back last week, finally gets a chance, has to be taken off after 20 minutes in a in a reshuffle. So it's been hard for him, but I think he's the talent's there, but the personality has to grow. It's well, the belief, the confidence, that personality has to come out because he looks like he feels he doesn't belong there at the moment. And that's that's his biggest. I think that's the biggest uh, problem for him. Just grow, grow a pair, grow a personality, and and I'm mm. sure that will lead to the belief and the confidence that will take him forward. You got I think like Rob, to learn. Rob, 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 Sorry, I just want to say, like, I, I do think he kind of needs someone to take him under his wing a little bit and, and teach him the ways. In that, you know, with the centre backs, they have grown because they had the Toby and the Yan, and they had those, you know, players that had the experience and had the skill set and talent to match. Whereas I don't think Reggie is that person for Cess. You know, they're both quite young and he he doesn't have what Cess maybe needs to kind of mm. almost step back as the second choice, but there to learn and grow from that and take his chances in the games that he has, but ultimately will have the goal to be that first choice. But at the moment, you know, I don't think he's going to get the run and I don't think there's anyone here at Spurs that kind of has the ability to give him almost what he needs and help him become that better player. But yeah. It's a TBC thing for me, but look, I think he did well, but I, I don't think he is the answer right now. He's too young, needs to develop. And like I said, I'd like to see someone kind of come in, be able to teach him the ways, yep. share that and be a better player for it. Yeah, just got to time, Rob. Very quickly on Cess and Young, you got anything you want to say on Cess and that performance yesterday? You mentioned about the celebration, of course, at the end. I'd probably agree with both of those uh, two assessments of him. I think you forget how young he is. Because he just seems to have been around for years now. He's, he's still only 21. And since he's been at Tottenham, he, he has had some rotten luck with injuries. He, he arrived injured. He must have played 
two games under Pochettino. He was in and out when Mourinho was manager. I think he was injured for all the preseason under Nuno as well. Maybe played two games. But I think the fact Conte started him will give him a big confidence boost because of the fact that he came off uh, after 28 minutes against Wolves. He's probably thinking, probably not going to get another look in now if, say, if like Reguilón was going to be back. But I think Sessignon probably is more suited to a left wing-back role rather than Reguilón. Uh, he's got the attributes. He just needs to discover some confidence and, like you said, a personality. He's got everything in his locker to be a big success there. He just needs to get a run in the team. And yeah. uh, like you said, yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah, you know, I, look, I look at him I look at him sometimes with because he's already got Sonny in front of him. And we know Sonny isn't the best at tracking back. We, we've seen that in the past. And actually, if you look at the first goal, how, how Sonny just allows Kevin De Bruyne to run off him. And it's up to Sessignon to really give him a, a yeah. rocket and say, Oi, you, you know, you're supposed to be here. But it's like he's, that Sonny is... He's a god, and I can't say that to him. And you just need to grow. You just need to yeah. grow. Yeah. Um, Yusuf on the on our listener statement here says, I thought he looked quite solid, and they didn't get an awful amount of joy down his side. I think a run of games could make a difference. He does lack confidence slightly, as like I say, you guys have all alluded to. Right. Um, Pierre-Mir Hoybier, you know, to be fair, you know, back in the team, and now again, he's had a lot of uh, criticism on Twitter. Who doesn't have criticism on Twitter these days, to be fair? Um, but again, he, I think he used every trick in the book, you know, to kind of, you know, waste time. He disrupted City on many occasions. I think he really, he really did use, uh, sticking with you, Rob, you know, that experience um, and that real dogginess in terms of, you know, even when Spurs were, you know, at times in that game, almost, I would say, under pressure. Seem to go down, waste a bit of time, you know, really using, I'm sure, a great amount of uh, knowledge there from Conte. But what did you make of that, Rob? Because he's had some criticism recently, hasn't he? Um, of course, Poibier. He has. He's not had the best of seasons, especially compared to last season, because he was very good. He played every minute of last season. And perhaps the uh, decision to leave him out of the team against Wolves was a good thing for him, just to let him have a breather. You know, get his fitness levels back and then put him back in. And yesterday, I thought he played very, very well. Uh, I think it was the right decision to put him back in, especially against City, given the likes of De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, and that in midfield. And you saw what he was doing to frustrate mm. the City players and the City fans, you know, just by taking his time, you know, making fouls. That tactical foul, I think, was on De Bruyne, where he got like booked. Yellow, De Bruyne. Yeah. yeah and turn around and push them. And yeah. that's what uh, players like him need to do. Do the dirty stuff in the middle, do the hard yards. And it might not be uh, seen by everyone, but yeah. he's probably one of these who the teammates appreciate him. I think he's a player's player. Once you played with him, you know how good he is, what he'll do. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good Good performance from him. Hopefully, can, can I ask you Rob, very quickly? I, I don't know if you saw it full time. Again, this was kind of doing the rounds on Twitter. That um, <laughs> Joe, I saw some funny comments on there. There was one comment that said that uh, oh, be called Conte. Uh, you know, uh, I can't really swear on it. You know, you know what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean. I, I, I don't know if I didn't pick up anything on the on the full time there between Conte and Hoybier. Again, we don't put a fallout. He says we just won against City away. I'm sure after that performance, that could you have a fallout with me? Anyone, Rob, did you see anything there at all at full time with Conte and Hoybier? I didn't, to be honest, because I had my head in the laptop. I had so much stuff to do with the full-time whistle, so I, yeah. I totally missed that, unfortunately. Yeah. Again, I think, obviously, from our perspective, watching it, um, obviously, the camera's panned away. So, um, 
Listen, I'm, I'm sure on the back of that performance, how could you be angry at Oibie on, on what he done? So uh, probably something out of nothing. Uh, sticking, well, we'll go to Jace next. Uh, Jace, obviously, our new January deadline day signing, Rodrigo Benson Cure. Um, he showed some real, real uh, combative style to his play, getting really stuck in. Um, he used the ball well when he had it. I know there's been some comments that um, he lost the ball as well on many occasions. But um, as a second, well, a second appearance in a Spurs shirt, away at City, you know, big game. Got to stand up and be counted. I thought he played ever so well. What did you think of him? Everyone will lose the ball against City away. You know, part of the way they defend, the way they swarm you, the way they shut down passing angles and things. You know, it's very difficult at City. So, you know, the number of times you give the ball away against City, that's why they have 70% of the ball. They win it back so quickly and then they keep it. So, um, but the bit of skill just after the penalty decision where where he hadn't given the penalty yet to, to get out, the, the ball that, that sets Kulazewski away. We saw a, was it his very first, was it the Southampton game when he came on and instantly played a bit of skill oh, and a fantastic, yeah, yeah, right on Southampton. I can't remember which one of the two it was. Southampton. It was a Southampton game, wasn't it? Where he sent Lucas Moura away. So yeah. you can see he's, he's got that that in his locker. Um, and as I say, that the pass that set Kulazewski away, if that's Winks, that just goes right to, to Doherty or it goes back to, to Romero. But, he saw the pass, instantly makes it. I, I think he looks a massive acquisition. And let's be fair, I mean, in in his time in Italy, the first three seasons, he played 30-odd games in a side that won the league each of those three seasons. So yeah. you can't be a bad player. You no. can't be a mug. Otherwise, that doesn't happen. No. And I think he's just got that that little bit of experience. I think he'll be a huge... He, he doesn't look... He's, he's, he's quite slight, but he doesn't look like he's going to struggle with the physicality of the game. Think he'll be brilliant for it. He reads the game well, and he can get himself out of tight areas. So, mm. you know, I'm not going to go overball with him and call him as some do the best midfield player in the Premier League already. But oh, he's, not already. he's definitely an upgrade. He's definitely <laughs> on an upgrade on what we've got. That's for sure. Yeah, and you, you can see when we play yeah. big games. When we play big games, he's starting. That's for sure. Yeah. What are you going to say there, Jace? He's definitely not going on Dombla. I thought we're not going to get you started already, are we? No, no, no. <laughs> He's definitely not a slow boner either, is he? That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tell very quickly, because of the time. Uh, Benson Cure, happy with that performance, the way he played? Yeah, really happy. I mean, seeing in the previous couple of games, I think he looked great. And I think, you know, if anything, that might be a better uh, game to judge his ability because, like you said, City is a really difficult game. But I think in the previous games, his cameos were great and you know it's the forward for me like what is frustrating about Winks etc is just the constant going backwards and I think he very much has that outlook of going forwards and that's something that we are so desperate to utilize um but again it, you know he had those tricks in his locker he had the visions his first touch is really good he just looks great and I think yesterday as well you know we're talking about the partnership with Sonny and Kane etc and obviously how great it is that those guys trust Decky already that ball between Bentancur and uh, Deki Kulu, whatever the hell you want to call him, was amazing. But I think that is part of having a partnership as well. Like yeah. you know, yeah. they're used to each other, and that's within one game. And I'm quite excited to see, you yeah. know, the four of them and you know a few others over time on the training pitch to see what they put together. Because I think they definitely have understandings of each other and together. Mm. If they work on that, I think it's something that could be quite special. Uh, not to get carried away, obviously, but I think look, they both are like really great additions to the team, and I'm excited to see you know them develop with Conte and the team and hopefully, you know, make a difference to us because this whole argument of four out, two in is redundant and that actually these two players are starting games for us, big games against City. And hopefully that is a sign of things to come. And yeah, let's go. Improvements only. 
Yeah, no, I did promise these guys we're going to be an hour and 40. We're an hour and 45, and we still have to discuss Burnley. So, conscious of time, Rob, come up, I can see Jason's face. And also, Rob, who's a guest on this show as well. Uh, but anyway, Tanya and Jason, they're regulars on this. They know what it goes. Hold on, hold on, I'll goes. wind me clock back an hour, and then we'll be on schedule. <laughs> we may be for Burnley. <laughs> Ricky's two hours actually is uh, four. <laughs> Rob, let's come over to you very quickly on Ben Secure, then we will look ahead to, to Burnley. Uh, thoughts on him, Rob, so far, the way he's settled in that performance against City? Yeah, yeah, I think he's been a really good addition to the midfield and a bit of a bargain buy as well. I can't remember the exact figures. Uh, Juventus released them after Tottenham confirmed the signing. I think it was, was it like 15 million plus maybe another five if they meet a number of, you know, variables. Uh, so I've been really impressed with him. Cameo against Brighton was really good. Same against Southampton. Then yesterday against City, uh, yeah, maybe lost the ball a couple of times, but you you are going to when you've got players like Rodri, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva around you. But he made a number of very good tackles, to be honest, when City were in good positions uh, to come out and win the ball. Used it well at times. I think he's been a very good addition. And what is he? Four or five games into his Tottenham career, mm, it yeah. does usually take you know the foreign players a good 12 18 months to really settle. So, what we've seen from him Three so years, far, some of them, <laughs> well, some are still waiting, probably, aren't we? Some of them just don't have it in there. We're, we're not doing that on this show, I promise. We're not taking Rob any, any further down that line, Jace. I can tell him that. Um, very quickly before we look ahead to, uh, to Bernie, home in Son again, you know, very quickly on Sonny, punished City with two brilliant assists. I know obviously some feel Sonny's been off the boil recently, but you know, what a way for him to come uh, back into the reckoning of Spurs. You know, he raced behind the, uh, Diaz and yeah, coolly square Kulisevsky for Spurs' opener before that brilliant cross for Kane. A real constant threat, isn't he, on the counter of Minson. And great to see him back on form. And also, Lucas, when he came on, he ran his socks off. So, listen, a real, real tip-top Tottenham performance. And um, like I say, we are going to go for our final break of the show for our listeners that are on audio. Taking this break, you're going to hear from a couple of uh, Burnley podcasters that have very kindly given us their thoughts ahead of the game. You've got a couple of guys from the No Name Never podcast and also the Turf Moor pod giving us their thoughts. Hi guys, hope you're all well. It's Joe Evan here from Turfcast Podcast just giving you all my thoughts ahead of this week's rearranged game between Burnley and Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, in terms of formation, um, you can you know expect quite similar things as you normally expect with how we set up with Burnley. Um, it will be a solid 4-4-2 with fullbacks. Hopefully, overlapping the midfielders, obviously that will be showing that we're um, you know, having good possession and going forward and things like that. So hopefully you will see that. Um, but what has changed recently is obviously the introduction of new signing Valt Veghorst. And he has sort of like changed the dynamic of the team slightly like we would have um, before Newcastle um, quite rudely poached Chris Wood. Of course, he would have been up top as he has been in the previous games between us over the last few years. Um, and with him up top, we tend to play uh, in a certain way, um, call it what you want, but it would be a case of aiming for Wood, basically, either aiming for his head up and it's going to stick um, and he can bring it down, which you know he wasn't amazingly good at. Um, but one thing we also did with Wood is, is just try and hit the channels and he chased it down and basically get 60, 70 yards up the pitch or whatever um, and you know either get possession by A, Wood, A, you know, getting the ball, um, or be obviously the opposition kicking it out through throwing wood wearing down. But with with Vault, it's it's quite unusual because he's six foot six, um, but he's not actually that good in the air. Like we, we when he first came in, we tried just doing the same thing we did with Chris Wood, just lumping it up to him, and it wasn't really working. He didn't really play that well. 
uh, in his first couple of games at home to Watford and then in the first half uh, against Man United and I was having even friends texting me saying I'm not sure about this new guy he always looks like a bit of a donkey six foot six and he can't even head it and I was saying at the time like you you know we're not playing to his strengths uh, but since then we have started playing to his strengths and he, and he has really come into his own um, he's strong he's powerful you know he, he he's, he's got a good pass on him he, he, he's got a quite a good tactical brain as well like he'll He'll, he'll drag defenders out with him, like sort of out of the defence, which is not something you ever ever would see Chris Wood doing. Uh, and he does that by coming in the midfield and helping the midfield out, picking out the ball, picking up the ball, sorry, in the middle of the park, and then getting out a wide to hopefully an overlapping fullback or, or a winger, and then bombing it forward. And that's how the the first goal against Brighton was created at, at the weekend. I think it was the first one. Um, he came into the middle of the park, he picked up the ball, he spread it out to. Uh, Lennon or Roberts, uh, and then we, um, I think it was Lennon, then onto Roberts, and then Vegos has then arrived late in the box. He squares it to him, and we go one the up. So, you know, we've we've started to look a lot better since Vegos has come in. You know, the feelings starting to be a bit more positive. Of course, we got our first win in twelve against Brighton at the weekend. Now that's obviously not a great statistic, but it's the first win, and that's the important thing. And Brighton are doing very well, uh, and we absolutely annihilated them. I'm not sure how much of the game or the highlights any of you or your listeners have. Uh, slash viewers have uh, have seen, uh, but we absolutely annihilated and we were deserved winners. And it, it could have easily been four. You know, they had a very fortuitous goal called off for offside. I mean, it was offside, but the way it bounced um, and and hit Veghorst before going to someone who who was in an onside position, it would have just gone to him anyway. But we were just unfortunate with the bounce. So you know, we we really did outclass them, um, and I really do think this is a start of us playing in the certain way that we saw against Brighton and us playing some better football. And then hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, kicking on, getting some results and pulling clear of this relegation dogfight that we are going to be in. Uh, well, we currently are in, should I say. And uh, and, uh, and if we don't you know, get some wins together, we will be in towards the end of the season. Um, but in terms of, uh, of line-ups... Um, think it's probably going to be... It depends. We, I, obviously, I'm recording this on Sunday night, so I haven't heard any um, pre-match press conferences from Daesh. Corner went off injured at the weekend. I'm not sure what with, uh, but he went off injured, limped off in, in the second half uh, and was replaced by Jared Rodriguez. But Jared Rodriguez, we actually looked better with him on. Um, so that's an unusual one. But Corny has been a little bit quiet since coming back from AFCON. Not particularly sure what it is. He might have had a few fitness issues. Um, so it's interesting to see what's going on there. But Jay, Jay did really well when he came on. He, he got an assist as well. Uh, Vegos got one assist and a goal. Uh, and Jay got an assist with a third goal. So he did, he did come on and did well. And he played well against Man United as well, did Jay? Because um, he started against then was it Man United started again no it was Liverpool uh, Liverpool and Man United actually yeah um, and then you know we've been playing better with him up top to be honest uh, Corny like I said he's been a bit quiet but in terms of lineup, I'm going to go obviously Nick Pope in goal uh, then at left back it's probably still going to be Eric Peters because Charlie Taylor is still missing he's a big miss Eric, Eric has done fantastic but Charlie Taylor is just better he's better at going forward Charlie's, uh, Eric is solid but Charlie, he will give us more going forward. So uh, he is a, he is a miss, is Charlie Taylor, unfortunately. But at centre-back, it'll be Tarke. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure actually what the deal is with Tarke. Obviously, Tarke would have had um, a COVID uh, situation for the game against Brighton. That's why he missed the game. So I'm just going off protocols here. Surely that means he's out for 10 days. So therefore, I would presume that Tarke won't be there. So it'll probably be Nathan Collins, actually, at centre-back. And with Ben Mee and um, Connor Roberts on on right back in left mid, 
it would be corner um normally i'm going to go corner you know because we've had a few we've had a few injuries where you know people have just come off but they've been okay to continue so fingers crossed that is a similar situation there if not It'll probably be somebody like Jay going into left mid, Jay Rodriguez, because unfortunately we have got a couple of injuries already, so we're a bit light in that area. We would normally have Johan Bergumanson slotting in, but or, uh, or Dwight and JBG going on the, on the other wing. But we just don't have that luxury at the minute. So left mid, I'm going to guess at corner. We don't know what's up with him. He could be injured. Then in the middle, similar situation. Ashley Westwood has COVID. So if he's following protocols uh, like Tarker, then I presume he'll miss this game as well. So it'll be Cork and Brownell in the middle with Dwight McNeil on the right. And hopefully, Jay Rodriguez and Valt Veghorst up top. And then we will um, hopefully be a similar sort of lineup to to the game at the weekend where we beat Brighton but yeah thanks for having me on the show guys it's always great to come on the show and chat to you really enjoyed it as usual um, fingers crossed uh, you know, just quickly before I do go actually in terms of predictions we're feeling confident now we've got to win so I've got to try and take this confidence into the next game I know it's exactly the same scenario for you you just picked up a win against arguably the best team in Europe and a very good one as well hats off for that one but um, yeah I'm feeling confident I'm going to go 2-1 to the Clarets uh, fingers crossed we can take the momentum uh, into the midweek game but thanks for having me on and I'll speak to you hopefully next season now if you guys are like me out there and you are a horrendous organiser this is perfect for you Spawn takes all the hassle out of organising any group event removing all the hurdles so everyone can spend more time on what they love for example like organising your favourite football team and this is 100% free with Spawn you can organise anything you wish so let's say you're trying to organise a football game you can set up the event using their easy to use event organiser and simply send the link across to your team Teammates and then simply relax and wait for them to reply. God, doesn't that sound easy, right? Well, Spawn works across any device and even allows you to share files, create polls, schedule, manage events, whether it's a single repetitive event for the whole season, and you can also even manage the attendances. You can make payments, send group and profit messages, it even syncs with your own calendar. And Spond has steadily risen to the group and top of digitalizing organized activity through solving two challenges minimising the time spent on administration and two, helping teams and clubs. So this is your call to action. Go and download the app now, Spond. It's a great, great product, a great, great app. And like I say, go and check that out. Wonderful app. Again, download the app, Spond, for what is an incredible app that will allow you to sit back stress-free and organise your events. I'm Adam from the No Name Ever Burnley podcast, here to give a preview for Wednesday night's game at Turf Moor against Spurs. Both sides should come into the game high on confidence after big wins at the weekend. Burnley finally seem to be building a bit of momentum and after two strong performances at home to Manchester United and Liverpool, it was great to get that much-needed 3-0 win at Brighton. For that reason, I don't see many changes going into Wednesday's game with Nick Pope in goal, Connor Roberts right-back, Nathan Collins and Ben Mee in the centre of defence and Eric Peters at left-back, Aaron Lennon on the right side of midfield with Jack Cork and Josh Brownhill in the centre and Dwight McNeil on the left and then Maxwell Corney just behind Valt Veghorst up front. The only possible changes to this is if James Tarkovsky and Ashley Westwood recover from COVID uh, which forced them to miss the game at Brighton and you expect them to replace Nathan Collins and Jack Cork although both played very well at the weekend and Collins has all, uh, has been very impressive each time he's had to uh, come into the side this season and looks a real good prospect going forward. Um, also, Maxwell Corney, 
hobbled off, uh, not for the first time this season, um, and might well might not make Wednesday. But Dyche's uh, press conference after the game said that it wasn't too serious, so hopefully we will see him. If not, then you expect Jay Rodriguez to come into the side um, and play that role um, up with Veghorst. And they've already linked up very well, including a very good goal against Manchester United. So it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be the end of the world if that happened. The key for Burnley to turn the season around would be to keep that solid base. The seniors concede just twenty nine goals in twenty two games this season, the seventh best in the Premier League. But we also need to add that quality at the top of the pitch. And the signs are positive after the addition of Veghorst, a one in two striker from his time in the Bundesliga with Wolfsburg. And great for him to get off the mark at Brighton. And we'll need him to score a few more if we're going to stand any chance of staying up. Maybe surprisingly for a six-foot-seven-inch uh, battering ram, the most impressive part of his game seems to be his link-up play and with the ball at his feet. And we already look so much more of a threat going forward with him in the side. Most Clarets fans would have liked another central midfielder and winger in January. But since then, Aaron Lennon um, and Josh Brownhill's form have been real positives. And with Dyche in charge, the strong team spirit that sees in our sixth straight Premier League season, we will certainly fight all the way to the end. And if we're not good enough, then so be it. But we'll continue to enjoy the ride until it's over. Prediction time. And with the exception of a 3-0 Spurs winning uh, 2017-18, the games at Turf Moor have been uh, tight affairs, unlike at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but I won't go into that. You'd obviously expect Spurs to have a lot of the ball, and with Sun Kane and Kulazewski looking on top form against City, it could prove a tough evening for Burnley's defence. But it will be a different challenge for the trio against our low block compared to City's high line. We're also looking better and better each game with Vout up top. So I'm going to go for uh, the Clarets to continue to, be, uh, to build some momentum with a one-all draw. Uh, but a lot of that will depend on which Spurs turn up on the night. Thanks for listening and all the best for the rest of the season, particularly against the teams at the bottom end of the table. Up the Clarets. Burnley to come. <laughs> Just sort of actually had a face thinking, are you serious? We are, we are doing this in five, I promise. Uh, Burnley to come on Nine. Wednesday night. Um, I promise. But Wednesday night, obviously a massive game for Tottenham. You know, let's be honest about it. The City game, the win, means absolutely nothing if Spurs don't go to Burnley and take all three points, which won't be easy because... Um, Rob, starting with you, you know, Burnley, they're really buoyed of that great result of the weekend, a 3 0 win um, away at Brighton, which can't be underestimated. You know, Brighton have been doing well this season. I know they've had a rocky patch recently, but um, you know, that is the, only the second win of the season. And at Burnley, a 17 points, 19th in the table. Um, really, Rob, this game for Spurs, we're going to be going there looking to take all three points, haven't we? Fingers crossed, but Burnley are uh, a decent side. I know they're around the bottom of the table, but I think after drawn too many games this season, not actually maybe lost that many recent weeks, played well. I think they drew against Manchester United, Liverpool just beat them. I think it was 1-0 and then they went and got a terrific win at Brighton yesterday, 3-0, a couple of very good goals in there. One from Aaron Lennon as well, former Tottenham player. And you know what you're going to get when you go to Turf Moor and play against the Sean Dyche side. You are going to be in for a battle from the very first minute and you know the defence are going to have to get used to playing up against uh, Veghorst, the, the new striker, and then the mm, Jay Rodriguez yeah. as well. So they're going to be in for a real battle and it will be a battle across the pitch. Obviously Tottenham are fighting for the top four, Burnley scrapping for the lives at the moment. Home game under the lights, they'll be uh, confident of, you know, 
carrying on from that win against Brighton. It really is going to be a tough game for Tottenham. But if they play anywhere like they did against City, then hopefully we'll be talking about three points. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, Jay's coming around to you. That was Burnley's first win in 30 matches. They managed just two in their last 15. Um, so you know what I'm going to ask you if Tottenham are going to turn up. But I'm also about Red Course, a player that Spurs, I think, looked at quite seriously when Jose Mourinho was here. Um, he'll be having to inspire the team after, you know, I think what he's now done, you know, it seems to have changed Burnley's style a little bit. They're not always the long ball now. He does give them a different option. What's your thoughts going into this one, Jace? By all accounts, they played really well at Brighton. Mm. From I haven't seen anything of that game at all. But uh, you, you know this is the one who always rip you on because everyone says it's a tough place to go. And I think they've won six of their last 50 at home or something. So, you know, a tough place to go, but they've only won six out of 50 at home or something daft like that. Um, it's about us. It's about us. It's our attitude. It's it's one of those attitude games, isn't it? Don't don't go there and think it's going to be a rollover. Don't don't go there and and think it's going to be easy. But apply yourself, and if you apply yourself attitude right, then that ability comes through. Nuno Nuno went there and won. So that's how difficult and tough it is to go there. Um, it won't be won't be easy, but I expect us to go there and win for sure. Mm. But not yeah. because we're complacent and think it's just going to happen. You've got to go and make it happen. You've got to show that same discipline and, and determination and drive that we did at City, and yeah. then everything else will come through on top of that. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I think we've all said it. You know, we've got to go with the same you know, mentality as City. You know, we can't afford any drop-offs because um, I think we're all feel, you know, that, that result against City will mean absolutely nothing if we don't go to Burnley and take all three points, which again, you know, credit to Burnley, great win against Brighton, but you look at where Spurs are trying to go and where Burnley are at the moment, you know, Really, uh, you know, football shouldn't be played on paper because it's Tottenham. Got to be going here looking to get the win. Uh, Tao, coming over to you. I think, you know, Burnley's biggest issue this season um, has been the tact. They've scored just 20 goals so far in the league. So probably good job for them. They've got Spurs next. Um, they failed to score in three of their last five league matches. And, um, you know, again, if that aspect can be sort of for them overall, you know, they will improve as a club. You know, since in their last five matches, they have kept three clean sheets. So, uh won't be easy. It won't be easy at all. I mean, I don't think they've got any concerns at the moment in terms of uh, fitness. I know that um, obviously their their new player Cornell was it Cornell? I think went off injured. Um, Cornell, yeah, went off injured at the back end of the Brighton game. So uh, maybe a doubt whether over his fit. But uh, tell what are you expecting out of this one. I think it's going to be one of those games where we have loads of chances and the goals just <laughs> make you frustrated because they don't necessarily go in all the time. But look, what the others have said are right. You know, we should be winning. Burnley are 19th for a reason um, and we are fighting for top four. And that in itself should speak volumes in that we should have the passion, desire and skills to go to Burnley and win. And look, it's not an easy game. They're fighting for survival. I, do, I think... Weghurst is a really big threat and he's mm, so yep. tall and we're not great at set pieces in general and defending them and I think that is a big you know danger area and I hope and I'm sure that in training they will focus on that because they know that that's what's coming but ultimately if Tottenham show up it, it should be an easy-ish win you know we are better than them and we should be able to go there and take the points with that stat as well you would expect us to win but I am just the slight pessimist in me is very much like Dr. Tottenham, we'll see you now. Often we win the big games and we struggle with the, you know, no game's an easy game, but, you know, mm. the one yep. that on paper should technically be three points. So I hope that, look, we channel the confidence, take it there and play good football and yep. take the win. Yep. Tao, let's stick with you. 
Um, following that pessimism, let's go for the uh, first prediction as we look to close the show. What are you going for? I will go 3-1. I think they'll Spurs. There you go. Win, but I'm hopeful. That's my optimistic opinion. <laughs> let's go. Let's go next. Let's go next to Rob. Rob, what are you going for? It's a nice fixture for you up north, so uh, hopefully not as far you would need to maybe travel. What are you going for, Rob? Uh, Spurs win two one. Kane and Son. There you go. Look at that. Kane and Son continuing their form. Jace, over to you. What are we going for? I'm going for match postponed because the pitch is hard again. No, falling down in the storm. That one pole. You know that that we, yeah. That, that wind we're having at the moment will blow the generator down and there'll be no heating and that's it. Match postponed. So that's my prediction. Can we uh, get it? I'll go 2-1. 2-1 Spurs. Okay, fine. Yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs. Well, there you have it. Listen, we had some, what a great panel tonight. I think we had over 1,300, 1,400 of you watching us live at one point. So thank you so much for all of that. I say your interactions, your comments, your super chats. Um, right. Okay. Um, lovely to have Jace back on. Jace, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. No problem, mate. One hour fifty-four. Thank you. No problem at all. Listen, we're trying. We're trying to bring these down, but it's so bloody hard with Tottenham. They give us so much. Uh, wonderful, Talia Corintel. Um, Where can we really find you? Twitter, tweet me. That's yep. about it. As we know, you know, I'm not a multi-channel kind of gal, but you can tweet <laughs> me if you like, and I'll be back soon. I hope. Oh, always, always. We have got you back on, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. Obviously, yeah. for Jason's reference, uh, listen, Jason's hard hit opinions, they can be found, of course, there at THFC since 76. 17 major trophies, as he likes to point out, on a regular basis, of course. Jason will always tell you that. Um, Rob, to close the show with you, love you having you on. Uh, sorry, Rob, it's uh, longer than, obviously, what you would normally go for. Uh, but we love, obviously, checking your content out, as always. Rob, where can we find you? You do so much these days. Obviously, the Golden Guest podcast, covering Spurs, obviously, live and in person. Where can we find Rob? All your content. Football London from our work. Twitter is at Rob Guesty. And then the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast, what we'll hopefully be recording this week. Amazing, Rob. I can tell you from the comments we've had tonight, there's many people very excited for that to drop, Rob. So, uh, right. as I say, make sure you check that out. As I say, Wonderful panel tonight. I've had the brilliant Rob Guesty, uh, Jason McGovern, Talia Corrin. Guys, we are back with you on Wednesday evening for instant reaction to Tottenham Hotspur up at Turf Moor. We're hoping it'll be smiling faces like you've seen tonight. But from us all, from Rob, from Jason, from Talia, from me, guys, keep safe, keep well. And as always, come on you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.